You're tuning in to the Raised by Rentals program. This podcast will contain strong language and spoilers for decades-old media properties. Welcome, everybody. This is the podcast where we examine pop culture franchises of the VHS era and improv new stories straight from the brain because we're insane in the membrane to imagine how we might improve our favorite movies, TV, and games. I'm Josh. I'm Mike. And we were raised by rentals. Mike, happy Alien Day. Woohoo! Hey. <laughs> we're well, finally doing it. <laughs> <laughs> We're finally doing it. We're finally doing it. And hopefully, if I get this out on time, when people are listening to this, we can wish all of our listeners a happy Alien Day on April 26th. Indeed. LV-426. That's right. LV-426. And if we have to explain to you what that is at this point, I feel very bad for you. But, no, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because is... you're going to be in for one hell of a slog. <laughs> I know. Oh, man. And if you haven't listened to our last episode, then you definitely should go back and do that. I mean, I guess suppose it's not entirely necessary. But if you haven't listened to our previous episode, 44, the AVP ABCs, you probably want to go back and do that because we spent quite a long time going over all of our thoughts and opinions and just some background information about the entire Alien and Predator, like, shared dual franchise universe. And now this is our 45th episode, and we are going to skip all of the preamble and dive right into an improv improve on what we think Hollywood in general should have done to make the Alien Predator movies a lot stronger, a lot better than what we got, especially from a certain director. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he who shall not be named. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we're going to name him eventually, but it sounds better that way. (laughs) (laughs) Rat bastard that he is. So, yeah, so we're going to dive in and we need to kind of set things up just a little bit. So, again, we're going to doing an improv improve as we would do in some of our most of our other episodes where we take a pop culture franchise or a couple of them and we mash them up. And we come up with a new story for what we think either Hollywood should have done with a particular movie or some fun off the wall premise for like a sequel or a spin-off. You know, we've done some goofy sequels, you know, and some strange oh, yeah. crossover movies. You know, we even did a Predator movie already back I think it was the sixth episode. I think I said the number wrong last time, but pretty sure it was episode six where we did our own Predator three that mm-hmm. took place in Texas in the nineties. Um and so we're we're actually gonna roll that one right into this as we expand to talk about the entirety of the franchise but because there are so many movies there's what did i say 13 of them last time or 14 oh god i have i have to to math (laughs) well there's there's four alien movies there's four predator movies uh there's two alien prequels so that's six one predator prequel so that's uh five so that's 11 movies and the avp movie so 13 yeah, pretty sure. Okay, cool. Yay, we did the maps. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't got that many fingers. <laughs> I had to stop and think about it. I was like, wait, timeline confusing. <laughs> and I probably could have read my notes from last time, but like, I'm too lazy to click and look for shit. I don't know. <laughs> I literally could have just looked at my notes in front of me and like flipped through the pages and be like, wait, which movie? How many movies? <laughs> but no. 
Ah, screw it. So there's more more than ten movies. We'll just say that. <laughs> right. <laughs> there's more than a single movie. It is a whole franchise. But we're only going to focus on the films. We're not going to do anything with comics or uh, novelizations or any of that. And man, when I was doing some research, the novelizations have introduced and contributed a ton of lore to the franchises. I mean, the video games and the comics too, especially Alien vs. Predator originating as a comic series. But damn, the novels, they really add a lot, including, as I've discovered, the name Yautja, that is the name of the Predator alien species. It first appeared in a novel back in 1994. Oh, okay. I never knew that. That's yeah, cool. I just found that out today. Because I Googled it because I was thinking, like, at what point do we learn that? Because I don't think it's ever said in any of the movies. Right? Yeah, no. In fact, they, they, don't, they don't even call them Predators until The Predator. <laughs> Yeah, that's, yeah. That's when they first call the creature a predator. Yeah, so I actually had a note on one of mine where I was like, oh, this would be a good place to mention the word Yautja for the first time or, you know, whatever that alien species is called. I didn't bother to look up the first time that the xenomorphs are referred to in that way or if there is a word that's used to designate their alien species. It doesn't fucking matter. They're just the aliens or the xenomorphs. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, so... I do want to talk about uh, a TV show a little bit. So I think TV and cinematic releases both kind of count as film, right? Live action. Absolutely. Uh, is, I think what we should focus on. So, uh, but again, because there's so many of them, I don't know that we're going to really have time to go into a lot of detail. Like if we were doing a single alien movie, like we did with predator three, we would go through the whole thing. We'd name our characters. We'd do all the story beats and the twists and the turns and, you know, and, and all that. I don't know that we're going to have time for that. So, yeah. I feel like there's some movies that we're going to kind of go through pretty quickly and we can take some time to slow down. But in my notes, um, I definitely wrote down some things that I wanted to mention that were just like very broad strokes of like, this is the type of thing I would like to see. But I didn't really um, didn't really write down a lot of detail, partly because I wasn't sure about our time and partly because I wanted to keep as much of it as we could to still be off the cuff, you know, off the dome improv. And this right. definitely is a bit of a special episode because a lot of this had to be planned out because it is so much. And so, yeah, you and I both have notes. So it's a little bit of a hybrid approach to the episode, but I still think it's going to be a lot of fun. So with all of those boring ass disclaimers out of the way, <laughs> we needed <laughs> to, to jump right in here. And so, Mike, I know you have a ton of notes, but yeah. I want I want to set this up or let's set this up to decide how do we want to approach these. I wrote my notes down in chronological timeline order in universe. Right. Okay. Start. And I started with Prey, which takes place apparently in 1719. I did not go before that, even though AVP sets some like prehistoric history. I figured mm-hmm. in, ter- in terms of the story that we're going to see in the movies, 1719 is where we start. And then I just went forward from there, jumping back and forth amongst, you know, the predator or alien, you know, focus. But you tell okay. me, what do you think? How, how should we tackle this? Um, I mean, we could tackle it either way. I, I personally wrote all of my notes just like I did them in film chunks. So I did. The Alien movies, then the Predator movies, then the prequels. Um, you know, that's kind of how I, I plotted out my notes, but I can jump around in my notes. That's not a problem. So if we want to start with Prey, I can jump to that section and then we can move to uh, AVP and the Prometheus films and then on to Al- or, uh, 
It would be AVP, then it would be Predator movies. No, wait, no. It well, I can... pre- Predator movies, then AVP. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, yeah, I'm getting confused now. Well, I can solve it for you because I wrote the timeline down, so it's really okay. easy. But the good thing is that they are kind of in chunks anyway. Yeah, it's the first four on my list are Predators, then the AVPs, and then some more Predator, and then pretty much the whole alien at the end. So Yeah, because technically, think... wouldn't it be, it would be Prey, Predator, Predator 2, mm-hmm. then AVP, AVP Requiem, yep. and then Predators, right? Am yep. I, and I have the timeline right? Yeah, you're right. And then the last one is The Predator. And then the one that I added was our version of Predator 3 from our episode that would take place, we said, in the 90s. So it actually might come be before Predator 2 uh, yeah. in the time, timeline order, right? I, I, let's, let's just start right there. If, if, and, and I think if you're down, we can kind of go in the chunks. So we'll start with yeah. the Predators, how they kind of interact with, in some cases, you know, modern day or pretty close to modern day humans. And then we, we're going to get more sci-fi as we go forward. Plus, I feel like there's going to be a lot of discussion around the Prometheus bullshit. So, like, Ooh, let's, yeah. let's save some time for that. Okay. Well, then if we're going to kick off with, with Prey, um, I'm just going to go ahead and say that the, the entire movie... 99% of it can stay as it is, just remove the inclusion of Raphael Adelini. Like, just si- simply drop that one piece and the rest of the movie's golden. Yeah, I think so. I, in fact, I wouldn't even, I'm even okay with that sequence being in the movie and some kind of, like, a gun that helps in the battle with the French trappers and with the Predator. Just not Andalini specifically, not that specific flintlock pistol that shows right. up later. If you look at the non-film uh, timeline, it doesn't really work. But even in the timeline of the film, 1718 is the year that's on the pistol, which is the year before Prey takes place. So only one year. The timeline is really weird because it's like she gets it really quickly and then probably loses it pretty quickly. And it, it's just weird. So yeah, I think it's stupid to even just make it something else, like not a flintlock, not Andalini. But yeah, having some, you know, a European influence on the battle, fine. Yeah. The rest of the movie is chef's kiss gold leave it alone yeah no i i think that it i think that that totally works um i don't know if like if how much we're going to jump into into all this but i do have additional films that i that i felt could fit into the timeline um yeah let's do it so so this was I, I figured a sequel to prey would eventually come about because honestly i'm really hoping we get one because it was such a good movie Hell yeah. um all right, so yeah, with uh, with a sequel to Prey, I kind of figured we would have um, Naru kind of become a respected hunter and tracker after the events of the first film. Uh, so in her, within her tribe, she's a you know respected individual teaching the new like the young warriors her unique strategies and techniques. Um, but we would introduce our first problem with European colonists expanding their territories all the time. So basically creating huge problems for Naru and her people and their way of life by encroaching on their land, you know, taking taking their, their food sources, their water sources, all that kind of stuff. So it's basically the, the bullshit that the Native Americans had to had to deal with in reality. So we would add that level of problem to this film. But while that's happening, uh, the colonial hunters start to gather the attention of a certain sporting hunter species. <laughs> so because oh, nice. they're they're out there, you know, killing buffalo left, right and center for sport. Uh, so this time we would get three predators. Uh, I, I the, the way I kind of had it in my head was we'd have a trapper style predator who likes to set up elaborate slings and environmental Rube Goldberg devices. 
Nice. Um, another one who likes to stalk, <laughs> stalk and track his prey um, that, that will basically, you know, basically like a sniper. So he like kind of like hides in the trees and, and snipes his enemies. Um, and then the last would basically be our spear slash bow hunter of the group. So the, the picture the Joe Rogan of the Predators <laughs> <laughs> just wants yeah. to get up get up close and beat the shit out of whatever he's fighting with like so much so that he won't even use his uh the the stealth that they use he's like using environmental camouflage so like oh that's nice so he's like this just this badass predator oh so he's he's like he's like the you know back to nature like all natural vegan predator he's like (laughs) i I don't need to use your like technology to cloak myself i cloak myself (laughs) with the trees the whole time i kept thinking of joe rogan because he was like well if you're gonna kill a bear you gotta do it with a bow and a knife and i was like i just feel like this is the meathead predator yeah there you go right (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry i laughed because when you mentioned the Rube Goldberg making Predator, and I'm like, that's like fucking Schwarzenegger from the first Predator movie. It's like he set up all these like Rube Goldberg like traps and shit to right. like you know capture the Predator. It's, so it's kind of a like ironic twist, and now you have a Predator who's like, yeah, it's a pretty good idea, you know? <laughs> right. Well, and that's but of course, it's like 200 years before, you know. Yeah, well, that's the thing I kept picturing with these guys is like, since you know they know that they outmatch their prey technologically. They're like they're doing that thing that a lot of hunters do where they're like, well, you know, I only bow hunt or I, you know, I only, you, you know, use bladed weapons like I don't use guns like they're, they're doing that kind of a thing, um, except for the sniper who's like, fuck that. I'm hanging out in the trees <laughs> just to start shooting everybody. Um, but so basically, Naru and her people have to fight a battle on two fronts, the Europeans encroaching on their land and hunting ground and the predators hunting them for sport. Uh, the film would basically end with Naru having fought and killed the trapper and the leader. And uh, we get we get to a point where, like, you know, I, 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 we could talk about it if we want to. I'm just trying to speed through it. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, have her, you know, end up taking out two of the predators and get to a point where she corners the sniper predator. Like, it's disarmed, but not dead. So once she sees that it's disarmed, she stays her hand and the predator realizes he's no longer a threat to her. And she showed him mercy. So he gives her a piece of his shoulder armor with the clan insignia on it and, and, you know, shows her the insignia, then points to the marking on his own skin, like a tribal branding. Understanding this, Naru sees that, you know, he's looking at her as an equal, puts on the shoulder armor. The predator pounds his chest, like with a closed fist, kind of saluting her. She mimics his action and the two go their separate ways. We end the movie in the early 1980s where we see the founding of the OWLF and in their possession is the shoulder armor from Naru all those years ago. Oh, nice. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So that's kind of where I was like, okay, I added a couple of films, but I was like, how would it play in the timeline? <laughs> no, I, no, I think that's good. And I think that, that, that cool, like, uh, you know, more modern day uh, stinger at the end is really good. And it ties it into the shared universe, you know, in a hmm. chronologically a lot earlier than it does you know where they cross over um a lot quicker and i think yeah i know i'm i'm totally down i really like the idea um and i like the idea i actually had it in my notes for a different uh installment in the franchise to come later on where i had a similar idea where i was like i want their this predator to you know see to be bested by a human in such a way that you know they don't have the opportunity to just 
uh, suicidally blow themselves up like the jungle hunter and the original predator, but they mm-hmm. kind of have to concede that, okay, I lost, you know, human, you know, like you were equals now, you know, so that's fine. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I definitely think that that's a great way to end it. And someone like Naru, I think would understand and kind of respect the, uh, you know, the, the honor among warriors and let the predator leave, give him a chance to leave, especially right. after she's proven her metal, but also especially because if the predators were there and kind of helping stop these poachers, maybe not, uh, out of, um, you know, good intentions to like specifically like save the animals or help the Comanche. It might have just been their own selfish reasons to stop the, you know, European trappers, but it still helps, you know, Naru. So she's like, hey, you do oh, me yeah. a solid. I'll do you a solid. Yeah, I'm down. Plus, I really like the idea of like the predator realizing that the the woman in the first movie that no one saw as a threat, the predator realizes he's no longer a threat to her. And I, I really liked that idea of like playing with the like flipping the script with in, in the first movie. We focus so much on her using the fact that no one sees her as a threat as to her advantage. And now she's become such a, an amazing warrior and, and tracker in her own right that even the hunter realizes, oh, shit, I'm no longer a threat to her. Like, I think that 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 would be really fun to play with. Yeah, for sure. I think so, that's awesome. Yeah, I think that's amazing. So then we would, um, we would move on, obviously, from there to uh, to Predator. Yeah. To, and, and so I'm just going to say, I mean, unless you have a really good argument to make, to me, the Predator is just the perfect movie and there's no way to improve it. So we just move on. <laughs> to- totally agree. I feel Predator, uh, Predator 1 and 2 need no changes whatsoever. Yeah, I have the exact same thing in my notes. So, yeah, I think we can kind of jump ahead a little bit. But again, just to restate, our Predator 3, you go back to listen to episode six of the series, but our Predator 3, we had a, a kind of a similar setup where we're on Earth again and we had more than one Predator. But it takes place in the 90s in Texas around the Killeen area with a military base and some hunters where we have like some rogue poacher Predators who have come to Earth and then there's this like police figure that we refer to as the marshal who comes down to stop the poachers. And is, of course, there's a case of like mistaken identity. And then we end up with this sort of like three way battle between the marshal, the poacher predators who are also kind of like almost like serial killer predators. You know, they're pretty brutal. Yep. And then, of course, we had the human element with like the military. And of course, there's like the little girl who befriends uh, our marshal, you know, in kind of a uh, lone wolf and cub kind of a way, you mm-hmm. know. And, yeah, and we, so, ha- we or, have the stinger with Dutch. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so I think that that's that's all really good. And it ties into our Arnieverse. So this is just all <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's all fitting together. <laughs> Maybe, maybe eventually we'll have every episode of our series will tie together somehow. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Raised by Rentals universe. <laughs> but yeah, nice. I, I feel like Predator Predator 1 and 2, keep them as is. Uh, obviously, we, we would wedge our Predator, Predator 3, in between Predator 1 and 2. Um, yep. And then, you know, I, I personally think uh, Predators can stay almost the same um i know i'm jumping ahead we got to go back to the avp things but i I just want to say real quick see if you agree with this predators i feel like they can they can stay almost the same except yeah the the ones who brought the humans to the alien planet Mm -hmm. are kind of like a splinter group of hunters almost like they don't really care about the sport of the hunt they're like the rich assholes who go to like a game enclosure and just like shoot animals 
in a in like a trapped environment, like shooting fish in a barrel. <laughs> nice. um, so they don't care about honor or rules of the hunt. They just they just want to kill for fun. Um, and I feel like this film, we would introduce the di- the idea that there are different types of predators there are different factions. Mm-hmm. We could even kind of like show maybe one of the berserkers that they, they refer to him as like it's all fucking roided up with like spliced DNA. We could introduce that here. Yeah, no, so. I think that's a, I think that's an awesome idea. And even back in our version of Predator Three, where we have this marshal, you know, who's like a police character, we don't right. really draw a distinction between him and the poachers, other than the society is not monolithic. It's not, you know, that everybody is the same. Not every predator is exactly the same as every other predator. Like there are bad ones and good ones, and ones who do their jobs and criminals. But I do like the idea of introducing the fact that there's also different clans or maybe subspecies or whatever. So I definitely want to keep that in. I like the berserkers. And yeah, I think it'd be great if if it's yeah, that's why all these killers are there. Like you said, it's they're dropping all these uh these badass killers into this like you know game reserve where they can't go anywhere so yeah there's no sport it's just rich guys out there like oh i'm killing for me buffy you know <laughs> exactly <laughs> they're just like oh. Ooh, i'm gonna take my new day D- my new dna splicing out for a test drive yeah yeah like like they're just playing with toys you know and um yeah so i i think for the most part that's all great. And the most of the movie is pretty good. I wrote down that the fact that I wanted to fix two things that to me were annoying. And I mentioned them both in the last episode. Um, so it's kind of a retread, but I think I have, I have a fix for one. So the, what I mentioned in the last episode is what I thought was missing from uh, predators was the main character or characters, but like the alien Brody, for example, he just wasn't interesting. Royce, yeah. I think his name was, he just wasn't interesting. And he was trying really hard to like mm-hmm. be the, the good guy, but he's like a try hard, good guy, you know? <laughs> right. And uh, I was like, what, what they needed was some Mike Ehrmantraut type, which for fans of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, you know that, but it's just this strong, silent type guy, the kind of guy who doesn't give a fuck. He's not going to get all excited and all mad and start yelling. He's just going to be chilling on the side, waiting for all the children to hush down so he can, you know, show them what to do. He doesn't want to be in charge. He's just going to survive. You know, he's going to, he's the guy who, you know, you you go out in the woods and he's going to make a fire and kill a rabbit and everyone stares at him like, how'd you do that? You know? <laughs> and it's right. like, you know, he's just a badass, but he, he event- he's the Daryl Dixon of the group. Yeah, exactly. Right. And he's a, he's an older guy. Yeah. Daryl Dixon's a good uh, analogy. So he's this older guy, no nonsense type, but he doesn't want to be the leader, but he eventually does because it's like, he's seeing everyone else as these like fucking children and he has to like show them what to do. So he becomes the leader through like sheer exasperation, you know, <laughs> <laughs> It's like, fine, I'll do it. Oh, God, fine. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, and all these other characters who are trying to be the hero or the badass or the killer. And he's just like, are you done? You know, like, like I mentioned, <laughs> I mentioned before, like there's a scene in Better Call Saul where somebody's like, you know, you don't want this guy. He doesn't even carry a gun. And then Mike German shouts like, if I want a gun, I'll take one of yours. You know, like yeah. that's how much of a badass he is. I know? fucking love that. <laughs> like, it's such a great idea. I'll send you the clip when we're done here because you got you can just, you can just watch the one clip like by itself, but you don't need the context and it's badass. So um, funny, I love it. <laughs> uh, so I definitely want that. I think, and, and it could even be one of the existing characters uh, like reinvented to fit that role, you know. Mm-hmm. But I definitely think that that character has to be in the movie because we need somebody to root for that isn't Adrian Brody. I feel um, like I feel like they do that with the Royce character, you know. Yeah. I, I feel like just. 
fuck the the character we got and and give us that version of Royce. Like just just change mm-hmm. that that character into this badass character and and boom, there you go. Like I yeah. feel like that that fits perfectly. Yeah, I, I thanks. I agree. And the other thing we talked about last time was that we both thought that Topher Grace's character where he's like this doctor who turns out to secretly be like a serial killer or a poisoner. We, we thought it was pretty telegraphed and kind of like, yeah, like it wasn't really much of a twist, you know, because mm-hmm. it's like one of these things is not like the other, you know, it's very <laughs> right. obvious. Um, <laughs> where like a bunch of badass killers, like, you know, Yakuza and soldiers and assassins. And then like this random white guy, doctor from the suburbs. But what I thought, <laughs> right. what I thought, what I thought is like, you got to lean into that, like lean into the misdirection. So a character like Edwin, the character's name is you, you ask him straight up, Hey, one of these things is not like the other Edwin. Like, what are you doing here? Who are you? And this, if this guy is as devious and smart as we eventually see him to be at the end of the movie, he wouldn't have just been like, Oh, I don't know. Like he's got to throw people off. Misdirection is how he's been successful as a serial killer so far, like in his backstory. So what I say is he tells a story. He spins a yarn, right? He says something like he wants to make himself look like just like everyone else there who has killed a bunch of people. So he's like, how do, how does he say that he's killed a bunch of people without admitting the fact that he did it on purpose because it was fun. And so he says something along the lines of like, uh, you know, Oh, you know, years ago I was in this accident, like a train derailment or a bus crash, like a bunch of people. And, you know, I didn't know what to do. I was so scared. I was a doctor and they all wanted my help, but I was just scared. So I ran away and like the bus exploded and everybody died. And it was like, Ah. it was all in the news. It was a, it was, there was a big trial, you know, everyone in my town hated me. Like, you know, the doctor who let everybody die and, you know, I had to like, you know, leave town and like change my name and, you know, it'll haunt me forever. So now like I want to, you know, now I'm a doctor and I make sure that no matter what, no one's ever going to die on my watch, you know? And then when, then people are like, okay, cool. Like you killed a bunch of people next, like you're a harmless white guy, you know? But then later, later on when we find out that like, no, no, that was all bullshit. There was no train or bus or whatever. Like (laughs) he, he, he was just spinning webs because, you know, he's secretly a serial killer, like, you know, poisoning people in the hospitals. Yeah. No, I like that. I definitely like that. Because cause his, his character always annoyed me. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was always just like, how do they not see this? You know? Yeah, so, it's just it's I, a missed I, opportunity. I, I think okay. the plot of the movie is great. It's just the, it's, the characters don't work. So we just fix those two characters. The rest of the plot's good. Right. And as we discussed, uh, you know, on the on the, the last episode, on the AVP ABCs, um, you know, it's it's kind of a shame because both of us had the same reaction of it's kind of boring. And it's like, this should Mm -hmm. not be boring. This should be really exciting, but it's just, yeah, exactly. It it just doesn't, it just doesn't land, you know, but I I thought that the predator looked like it should have been really stupid, but it was Mm -hmm. a lot of fun. So it was kind of the opposite. Right. So now do we want, before we get to the, to the predator do we want to jump over to avp since that would be the next in the timeline oh i want to talk about avp but i have a lot to say about it so i think unless you disagree i don't have a lot to change about the predator so okay if you you do let me know but for me i think the predator yeah i mean i might change a couple of details here and there just to tweak it for like how i would have written it but i was pretty happy with the movie that we got you know i mean for, for the most part so i don't really need to change it much unless you've got some notes um, really, the the only things I, I that I have here is uh, that we we would have to to change a couple of things to make it a little more clear. Like, 
having the Predator trying to communicate with mankind, like trying to explain about the Civil War on their home world and how like some of them disagree with the other ones who want to colonize Earth. Like because there was that whole thing of them, you know, uh, basically the planet's heating up. They're planning on coming here and taking over. There's the whole thing of them like, you know, wanting to give mankind a weapon to fight back. So we would have them like trying to communicate and find out that the, the uh, you know, the Yaucha or however you say it, um, it's basically the Yaucha and the Berserker clan. Like the Berserker clan are altering their DNA, um, using the DNA of strong prey. So they're becoming like we got the assassin predator, that that big motherfucker in that movie. Um, so mm-hmm. they, they, they basically want to use us like lab rats and uh, plan to do the same thing to us that they've done to other inhabited planets. So we find out that they've been doing this. Um, and I want I, the movie to basically play out the entire way, like the, the play out the same way we saw. Um, but at the end, we would see the OWLF program because that's that needs to play more like the Whalen yutani Corporation plays in the Alien films. For sure. Uh, you know, we have the OWLF uh, program studying the weapon that the Predator gave them. We see the return of Dutch as the man leading the program, but they have the financial backing from the Utani Corporation. So we, nice. we take that stinger from Predator uh, or Pre- was it Predators? No, it was up uh, Alien versus Predator Requiem. We take that, yeah, that Requiem. stinger where we find out like they brought the the Predator weaponry to the Utani Corporation. So we have like the OWLF um, you know group in league now with the Utani building mm-hmm. you know weapons to fight back against alien threats. Um, which all of that would basically lead into what I had for Predator Six. <laughs> Which nice. I just, yeah, go I for just, it. Yeah, because I I'm down, totally down with all those changes for for the Predator, and I definitely agree that the OWLF needs to be you know more prominent. Although you know, side note, it's kind of stupid. Like they were so close to just calling it WOLF, like Wolf. Like why did right. they make it OWLF? <laughs> and now it's just like you can't even say it. It's like Owlf, you know? It's like why owlf. would you do that? <laughs> yeah, I like that. Owlf. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Predator Six. So I just called it Predator Invasion. Um, and it would follow up, uh, you know, the Predator about 20 years later as an invasion of uh, an invasion party of berserker predators land on Earth, like ready to fucking wipe out humans. Um, basically, it's like a landing party. Like they're going to they're going to get a foothold on the beaches that is Earth, you know. Um, so they come in and just start fucking slaughtering people. But of course, you know, the o- OWLF is prepared for this. And have been studying the the crazy sci-fi gear that, you know, the Predator in the last movie gave to them. And now we have, like, mankind suited up in, like, weird fucking Predator exosuits fighting against these these Predators. So we would have, like, an all-out alien invasion war. And I don't know where we would pick, like, where on Earth. But it would, it would of course, it would have to be all covered up. <laughs> you know, like, everything would get yeah. covered up. Like, it always does. But yeah, we would have like various altered predators. And I feel like this would be a way we could play with the whole like DNA altering. You know, we could see some predators that have like hints of xenomorph DNA. Like maybe they have like the weird spiky tail or they have like an elongated head and they or they're like spitting acid or something. Um, We could see like other predators that have like, you know, like weird thorns and spikes all over them, just like arm like body plating you know, like weird, like exoskeleton plating all over him. I feel like we could really have fun with the designs of the predators here because we introduced that plot thread of them altering their DNA. So we could just go crazy with different aliens. 
Yeah, that'd be awesome. And I think it'd be fun, too, if we we could kind of do an Easter egg to the ABP stories that exist now. And we haven't talked about how we might change them. But right now, there's a big tie into this, like, prehistoric cultures, you know, building pyramids to worship the Yautja and the Xenomorph or whatever. Mm. Um, I think – and since you talked about having, like, a big invasion but having it, you know, be, like, covered up, I was just thinking, like, where in the world is there a lot of people – like enough that an invasion could take over, but like not so densely packed that like, you know, there's a million other armies in other countries. Like, I mean, like Europe is too dense, you know what I mean? For example, right. or like the Eastern, you know, Eastern U uh, S like the, you know, the East coast is too dense. So right. I was like, well, I'm just, and I'm just thinking like big cities, like there's big cities in Africa, there's like big cities in the Middle East, like Dubai, there's like Hong Kong. But like, what about like Mexico City, right? We can kind of go like kind of the the nod to the AVP, you know, uh, uh, like Mayan uh, yeah. pyramids or whatever, or the Aztec pyramids, because if one of those movies takes place like, you know, somewhere in Mexico. So it's like, yeah, let's just go to Mexico and have them invade like Mexico City, you know, uh, yeah. out of nowhere. And I think that would be kind of a, I think it'd be kind of fun and kind of a nod to to like the the hot climate of the predator the original movie because i always talked about how the predators would come in like the hottest years yeah and that's the thing i was gonna i was gonna point out was that 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 they mentioned that in the predator with the whole like the fact that our you know uh, with global warming and like our our planet is getting our planet is getting hotter and the predators like that which is why they're like you know hey this is now going to be suitable for us to invade and take over um Mm -hmm. so so yeah it makes sense that they would go to like a hotter section you know, of, of, of the world at, the, at like at that time and uh, yeah. like start that, that's like their beach landing party, you know, like where <laughs> they're going to start the invasion from. But, but yeah, I feel like that that would be a really fun, like that would lead to a, just like a fun sci-fi movie, just like have, mm-hmm. you know, humans with the crazy sci-fi gear that we, we got from the last movie and kind of, you know, iterated upon through, you know, research and development and um, we could just have like predators versus humans, like <laughs> just everyone kicking ass and taking names. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm down. I'm t- definitely down. It, it, it makes me think of the title, too. I was going to mention this. When we talked about Prey 2 a little while ago where I didn't want to interrupt the flow of things more. But I was like, wait a second. So we had Predator and then I know Predator 2 is like, OK, just put a number on it. Sure. But then they did like Predators, the Predator and then Prey. So I was like. Predator 2 messes up the pattern, but, like, would Prey 2 be called Prey 2, like Predator 2, or would it be called, like, Prayed or Praying, you know, or, or right. you know, I mean, something like that. Like, I think it'd be kind of funny to come up with, like, a fun title. This is a total uh, sidetrack, but it reminds me of this Shadowhawk story that I read. Uh, <laughs> I just read it recently, but it's from the 90s where there was a Shadowhawk and Youngblood uh, Image Comics crossover called The Shadow Hunt. And I remember when I was reading it, I noticed the titles because it was like the first part of the story is called Hunter and then it's Hunted and then Hunt and then Hunting. And then I couldn't find the last uh, issue, the last part of the crossover for a little while. So I was like, what's the next one going to be called? You know, after all of that with like the word hunt and hunter, hunting, whatever. And I get the last uh, issue in New Man number four and it's titled shadows 
And I'm like, come on, guys. Like, you dropped the ball at the end. Like, yeah. You got, you got four issues in, and you couldn't come up with something else with the word hunt in it. I mean, the ty- the story's called The Shadow Hunt. Like, you couldn't just use that. or I mean, I don't know. I remember just being annoyed. Like, how unoriginal and, like, unimaginative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what would Prey 2 be called? Now it's that's going it's, to it's sitting with me. I'm like, huh. What the I mean, hell would we I, call it? I don't have the answer. I'm just thinking, like, we got to try to figure that out, you know, like, you know, like, like I said, you know, like, prayed, you know, ED, like, past tense, you know what I mean? Or praying, but then it kind of sounds like you're, you know, talking to God, praying, so, like, right. I don't know. Or we could do, we could do a pun like that, you know, like, hopes and praise. <laughs> <laughs> Thoughts and pray. <laughs> pray for me. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I love it. I, I, and I like the fact that we kind of wrap up the sort of predator era of the, of the all of this with a big a big blowout, like a big predator movie, right? With your right. Predator Six. Now, of course, we did skip AVP, right? And AVP, both of them actually take place in 2004-ish in like the existing movie timeline. Um, and so, if we want to talk about those now before we jump into like the pure alien, I think that's probably a good idea. But yeah. I, I'm, I'm just going to come right out and say I don't want to put them in 2004 or anywhere near there. So I have an idea for totally redoing AVP. I don't think that the movies that we got really should exist. I, uh, I, I think they should have done something totally different with them. So before I jump into like my pitch, after hearing yours on a couple of movies, what do you think about? You know, what, what are your thoughts? Would you f- try to fix the existing movies or do we just scrap them? Um, I'm cool with either. I wrote a bunch of stuff on how we could fix the existing movies as as they are now. Um, Like what we would do, because, again, as much as I've bitched about AVP Requiem, it does have good bones. Like I like the idea of an alien predator movie set up like a slasher movie. I think that that is. Mm-hmm. A very interesting concept, and I love the fact that they 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 gave no fucks in that movie. Like they were just like, "Fuck it, kill everybody." Um, <laughs> yeah. The problem was they focused on a bunch of teenagers, and I'm like, "This is dumb. Like, why are we focusing on them? Like every other Predator and Alien movie, you know, it's been like either military or like some kind of like you know some somebody with combat training in some way, shape, or form." And in this one, it's like a pizza delivery guy and an ex crook. Like, <laughs> like what? <laughs> it's like, I don't know. That just that bothered me. Um, so I do feel it, it has good enough bones that it could be it could be fixed. Um, and then Alien versus Predator, like the first one, I just have a couple of like, I guess, like uh, there's ma- there are major changes, but they I feel like they fix what we got. Okay, so I'm I'm definitely willing to hear out your thoughts on how to fix them. And I when I record last time saying that like, you know, I think that they're fun popcorn flicks. And I especially yeah. think the rec- rec- Requiem is because it works like a traditional horror movie. It's just critters, you know, like you just yeah. it doesn't matter what they just you just change the monster into something else. But the problem that I have, I think that the whole basis of the crossover series at the way that they did it is completely broken. The basis of it is an antithesis of what we got in the alien movies, because every alien movie that we had up to the time the AVP came out was hell bent on humans, keeping the xenomorphs from getting to earth at 
all fucking costs. I mean, yep. there's like that if even one of these things makes it to Earth or to a major human colony, humanity is toast. Humanity is fucking gone. There's no way to stop these things. There's no way to contain them. You know, we saw that all the way up through Alien Resurrection. Like, there's no way you can control a xenomorph. So, for me, that means. But really, there's two reasons why that breaks AVP as we got it. One, because we see that the predator, Yaucha species, were controlling the xenomorphs and using them, you know, almost like uh, like they were cattle. You know, like they were controlling mm-hmm. them entirely as if they were nothing but an animal that they were like breeding on purpose to kill. And I don't think that would be possible even for the badass Yaucha. I don't think it would be possible uh, right. for for any sustained amount of time. Definitely not long enough for them to build this whole complicated pyramid breeding building around them, you know, mm. and on top of the fact that you have fucking xenomorphs on Earth and not just one, but a lot of them. And if even one of them gets out again, Earth never makes it to fucking LV 426 because <laughs> right. humanity would have died out in 2000 BC. And so that's again, I, I think that there is a cool horror movie structure but it doesn't work in the context of the rest of the franchise. You know, like you, yeah. I think you need to completely change, take the movies we got, completely change the monster, and you have a fun movie. But it's not an alien movie. Okay, you you, you made me you made me think of uh, a a completely brand new story idea while you were talking. Um, so let's let's do, let's just do this just for funsies. Let let's see what we feel um about fixing what's there. But you you kind of like made it click because the whole time I was the reason I decided to try to fix this is because I couldn't figure out how you do AVP without a human element because you have to have the human element because you have two species that don't speak. So we don't want to mm-hmm. do the, the whole Star Wars holiday special all over again where you got 20 minutes of, you know, and no one <laughs> knows what the fuck is being said. Um, so we need we need uh, we need an avatar for the viewer to kind of understand what the hell is going on. So, yeah, so let's see what we feel. Uh, like, I'll show you, I'll, I'll tell you what I had written mm-hmm. out here, and then we can kind of, we can kind of just pitch a new thing. But, yeah. so what I what I was thinking is keeping the original AVP mostly the same, only the Predators weren't doing a trial. That pyramid was forcibly buried under the ice, trapping the aliens. The original trial, hundreds of years, went horribly wrong, Nice. And the, the Predators weren't able to nuke it, so they sunk it beneath the ice, trapping hundreds of Xenos and the, and the Queen Alien beneath the ice. Now, I can't remember if it was in the films or if it was in a comic, so I might be kind of off here, but I do remember them talking about how the aliens would hibernate when there was no prey. So it might yeah. have even been in a deleted scene in the original movie. But I, I remember there, there being something about the yeah. aliens. They would they would go into hibernation if there was no prey around. So I feel like under the ice in this this trapped pyramid, we would just have these hundreds of xenomorphs and the queen all hibernating because there's nothing for them to feed on. So we have them trapped. Now, meanwhile, the Whalen Corporation, using satellite imaging, sees something beneath the ice and begins an operation of boring down beneath the surface. The operation uh, trips a beacon, alerting the Yaucha that the humans are fucking around where they shouldn't be, and they had to, <laughs> to stop them. Um, in the meantime, the dig, ti- the dig team makes their way to the giant pyramid under the ice, just like in the regular movie. 
the Xenos that are hibernating within the temple awaken because like the humans trip some fucking pyramid defenses and they're like, Hey, food. <laughs> um, so, you know, the predators arrive, but it's too late. The Xenos have awakened and are ripping through the research team. The predators fight back the swarm, reluctantly teaming up with the humans. They mm-hmm. bomb the pyramid, sinking the whole thing into the Arctic ocean. We end similarly to the original where the queen is still alive. They end up fighting it on the surface dropping it into the freezing ocean, just like the original. And the final predator succumbs to its wounds. Basically it ends with the the same way where we get the stinger of the pred alien. So the only main changes that we would need to make is they're not like, you know, Hey, we're going to do a trial run here. Like the predators did in the, the, in the original movie. This one was like, the predators were like, we fucked up, sink it, move on. And then the humans were like, Hey, what's this? And they're like, ah, fuck people. Okay. We got to fix this. You know. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm definitely down for that. And we could either explain it like the, the Yaucha, the Predators were already on Earth, you know, and fuck, you know, we can do the ancient alien thing, I guess, you know, which, mm. again, might be, might be a reason for them to go to Mexico in, like, Predator 6, because, like, they had a pyramid there, you know. Exactly. Um, and I'm not a big fan of that in general, but yeah, sure, why not? Like, people like that. So we could have it be that they were there. And yeah, they maybe we, we show some of these flashbacks or there's some ancient machine that, like, gives them a vision, you know, of the past. You know, some right. <laughs> some hand-wavy bullshit where we get to see that, yeah, there was other aliens. And it's like, maybe we see them fighting Earth animals, like, in this pyramid on this, like, island near Antarctica. And they have, like, a bull elephant and a lion. And they're just slaying them, almost like gladiators. And then yeah. we see these weird aliens, not xenomorphs, but other aliens come in. And they slaughter them bitches, too. And then it's like, oh, here comes the shipment of the new thing we're going to fight. And it's, oh, fuck, it's the xenomorphs. And, like, yeah, this was a mistake. <laughs> you know? Oh, I like that. So, yeah. So, like, they, they've been using this as a training ground. And mm. and then yeah, and they fuck up. <laughs> They're yeah. like, oh, we fucked up. Exactly right. And they they and maybe it's because. Um either antarctica is cold at this point in history and they're there on purpose because even though they like hot maybe again this is a training ground go to a cold place like you know like you see like rocky goes to siberia and rocky four to train in the snow you know what i mean and so that's why it's there or they built it there on purpose just because they knew that if anything ever went wrong like they could just sink the whole island and like the rest of the earth would be fine like they're not going to totally ruin their whole like game preserve you know (laughs) that is earth because they just have this one island yeah, no, no, no that, 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 I'm sorry to interrupt. That, that, I really like that because that makes a lot of sense to how these fuckers operate. Like, the fact that they've been coming to Earth to, to hunt, they like Earth. Earth is a hunting ground for them. So, yeah, they're not going to risk everything if, for this, like, this maximum training facility. Like, you know, the badasses of the best badasses are training here and in the cold, like, fighting all these different creatures. They're not going to risk that. So, yeah, they would have some kind of plan set up to like sink the fucking island beneath the beneath the ice, you know. I, I think that 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 works. That's cool. Um, awesome. Yeah. And then there you go. I think that's a good fix between the two of us. Like we fixed the first one. Yeah. But now, so, now we got to fix Requiem because <laughs> again, again, I think it's a fun movie and I like the slasher element. I like the critters element. But again, I have a huge problem with xenomorphs loose in like Middle America and then then they're all fine at the end. Like no, like chaos theory doesn't work that way especially with the xenomorphs like even yeah. one is can get away somewhere or hide somewhere hell you know, at the end of critters it was in the cat the fucking cat you know like, right. <laughs> exactly <laughs> so like i like the bones of it 
but again, not with the xenomorph. Like I would almost just want this to be a predator movie, like you right. know, pre- predator requiem or whatever. And we just take the aliens out of it entirely. Or, and again, I'm sure you have some notes, but mm-hmm. my other idea is do the same story, but it has to be somewhere else. Just like the island that they sank in Antarctica because it was so remote. Maybe there's like some fishing village in, you know, uh, southern, you know, South America somewhere, just somewhere, whatever, somewhere in the middle of nowhere where you could conceivably like nuke it from from space and the rest of Earth would be none the wiser. Right. Well, I mean, see, I, I left it right where it was in Colorado with uh, the whole using the power plant as a cover up. Like if they if the power plant goes like, you know, oh, they can they can pin it as this disaster that happened where this whole little town was wiped out because of an explosion. Um, cause that's kind of like, what that was the plan and the, and the, and the original AVP Requiem. Um, yeah. so basically what, what I did here, uh, it, you know, yeah, it, it, it does need to be changed a lot. Um, but it had, like I said, it has good bones. So open the film, the same, uh, Pred, Pred alien causes chaos on the ship. They crash in Colorado. Pred alien gets out, drop the whole face hugger storage crap. Um, you know, where it's like, oh, the facehuggers get out and start ca- creating drones. No, let's just showcase right away that this pred alien is a fucking queen and have mm. it it start attacking people like it grabs the hunters in the woods and impregnates them the way it does throughout the movie. Like it shoves the it wraps its mandibles around their face, impregnates them. Chest bursters come out. It creates its first two hive drones and slithers off into the the fucking sewers, just like in the regular movie. Now we would see the Pred Alien hive building by creating drones, and maybe, maybe these drones look a little bit different. Maybe they they look more like a predator. You know, maybe maybe we we tweak them slightly so there's a difference between the the Xenos and the Pred Alien, so we can see oh that's the queen version, and these are the drones um, that are kind of guarding. So we have we have that whole thing. Uh, drop all of the fucking teenage bullshit. Let's just get rid of that. Um, have have a predator tracking this. Maybe it's like the Marshall. You know, it, it's a Marshall type predator where it's like, fuck, you know, our ship crashed. This thing got out. I got to go hunt it down. Um, but of <laughs> course, it's not just him. We'd have the OWLF in this movie noticing a UFO crashed in Colorado. So, of course, it's going to, you know, send some agents out. Um, so instead of focusing on the teens, let's focus on two OWLF agents, kind of like a Mulder and Scully duo and the Marshall Predator. Um, so basically both are running against a ticking clock. You have the Predator trying to cover up everything and destroy the Pred alien and the uh, the drones before it ruins their hunting ground. And you have the OWLF agents trying to recover uh, any alien tech and cover it up. Um so basically, they know that there's going to be an airstrike called in to nuke the fucking town, and they need to, to clean it up as quick as possible. So yeah. at, fir- at first, the OWLF agents and the Predator are almost unknowingly working together as, you know, documenting the evidence, but cleaning things up as well. Um, you know, eventually chaos erupts where the Pred alien impregnates multiple townsfolk, building a hive cluster and begins swarming out into the town in a feeding frenzy. Uh, the Predator and the agents would fight side by side, trying to save the townsfolk from certain annihilation. The Predator takes down the Pred alien, but is swarmed by the drones. It flips its little wrist nuke and looks at the agents before starting the countdown, like, get the fuck out. <laughs> <You know? laughs> nice. The agents mm-hmm. and some of the remaining townsfolk escape on a truck as the blast takes out the center of town, 
Overhead, we would see the airstrike on its way. Uh, the truck full of survivors escape just in time as the whole town is blown off the map. At the end, we would see them meeting up with the military outside the city limits. They would take the evidence from the OWLF agents, you know, being like, you know, you did good, blah, blah, blah. And then would systematically gun down everyone, including the OWLF agents. So everybody gets fucking killed. <laughs> no you know, one lives. I, I love that you said that because in my head, I was just waiting for that. I was like, no one's going to survive this. No one's going to survive no, this. No like, one this, lives. It's like, no, no, I, no, I think that that's great. It actually reminds me a lot of the crazies, which is a good thing. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that, yeah. So I, I'm down. Again, I think if, if it were me, I probably would have just scratched both these movies off the slate but no i think that this is a good way to save it you know it's again it's not really changing requiem too much but yeah downplaying the teenage you know slasher horror drama and making it more about the owlf and hell you could have your main character be an owlf agent like he's the avatar Mm -hmm. for the audience to sort of explain everything that's going on and you know explain some more of the backstory to the other characters who are around and it doesn't ultimately matter because zero of them survive like not oh yeah not not the <laughs> not, even alien, the not the pre- yeah not the agents not the predators not the none of the not, nobody makes it out this this you know tunguska event in the middle of colorado <laughs> they're just and fucking gone of course we would end it still with the yutani stinger which would of course lead into pre- the predator and predator six because we would have mm-hmm. the whole thing of like oh shit the yutani corporation you know they got like after killing the OWLF agents with the military, mm-hmm. they got their hands on some of the predator tech and, and some of the alien tech, or I mean, some of the predator tech and alien um, mm-hmm. information. And they yeah. can now start building weaponry based on that. So it would of course lead into that later when we get, you know, the predator and all that. So, yeah, but for sure. And, and I think that the Wayland Utani corporation should ultimately take over the OWLF entirely, like buy them out, buy out their contract, you know, buy out all their government con- uh, contacts. And eventually, like given enough time, it just is completely absorbed into Wayland yutani which is interesting to note, too, because it means that maybe they didn't know much about the xenomorphs, but they sure as fuck knew about Yautja predators. And so when you fast forward the timeline, like they knew what they were fucking doing. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, and that's the thing. They would have information that the xenomorphs exist, but every single time there's been a xenomorph incident, most of it has been completely eradicated. So mankind would know of them, but wouldn't know entirely. And of course they'd be curious, like, well, how does this thing's life cycle works? It's, it seems to be able to, you know, take on attributes of any host. And maybe that's why the predators were interested in them in the first place, because they want to alter their DNA. So you got that whole thing mm-hmm. of like, well, these fuckers, you know, any host that they're in, they get attributes from that host. Like, how can we use that? You know, so they're maybe that's why they're, they've been playing around yeah. with xenomorphs all this time. But and, and okay. real quick, too, I was going to say and that also makes for a really, really good um opponents or really good prey for the predators too because if they did like a xenomorph like fucking bengal tiger hybrid you know right you'd have like a fucking beast on your hands that would or be shit an elephant or something yeah <laughs> yeah well and so at this point in this timeline these two avp movies are the only times that there's been any mention of any xenomorph like contact on earth and so whatever the owlf knows whatever the Wayland yutani knows it's you know, it's uh, sketchy at best. You know, it's more right. it's almost it's almost like it's all secondhand information where they know about the Yautja, 
and they know what they heard about the xenomorphs. Maybe they coined the term xenomorphs, but they don't know really anything about them. They just know that there's this weird, deadly-ass species that the fucking predators were afraid of. So, of course, we should, you know, be careful. And they had this weird life cycle where they, they, they you know, they need humans to propagate. But again, this is all based on like some OWLF guy sent some notes back, you know, over, you know, his like, you know, uh, mobile phone sending sending shit back to the cloud, you know, at his to his office, you know, computer because they all fucking die, you know, like exactly. <laughs> no, there, there's no eyewitnesses to them. So it's almost like this legendary thing where the Wutani uh, or so the Weyland Utani Corporation knows that there is this weird ultimate biological weapon that is out there somewhere but we've lost it here on earth and someday we got to get it back the only problem is it's, it's going to take them like a century and a half right <laughs> well that now one of the things i i, I want to mention you made me think of while you were talking about like what you didn't like about the avp things the fact that it takes place on earth and all that and i mentioned that i immediately kind of came up with a story idea while we were talking about that a way to save avp and not make it take place on Earth is to throw it into the future. So now, I mean, hell, it could take place around the same time as like Alien 3 or, you know, after Alien Resurrection, whatever. We could we could have like these right. creatures are out there. We know they're out there. Have some fucking distant uh, colonized planet, you know, do one of those like, what is that? The atmosphere generators that we saw on, uh, on LV-426. Um, we could do something like that. It's a, it's a colony, you know, the aliens end up, I don't know whether they're already there on the planet. Cause I, I still want to introduce the aliens as like fucking intergalactic locust. I like the idea of them not being weapons, but being like just this species that exists out there in the universe that is just vicious and will kill and, and, and assimilate anything. Um, okay. so imagine like if, if we have this, 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 uh, hive cluster, on mm. this planet that's being colonized, like they're working on on colonizing it, and because they're fucking with the atmosphere, it wakes up the hive cluster, and they're like, "Ooh, food," and they go out and start attacking the humans. So now, so we have this this fight going on, and maybe that's what attracts the predator. So they're like, "Ooh, a fight," and they come down, and now we have the predator and aliens fighting on an alien planet in the future with humans involved because they're colonists like we could if we wanted to mm -hmm. scrap like the, the earthbound avp movies entirely there is a way to stick it somewhere in the timeline of a like a future colony planet avp movie yeah okay so hold that thought because i mentioned that i had some ideas for avp and i do and a lot of what you just said is either in my idea or like fits in really well nice um, so I like, I, I, again, I'm not a huge fan of, like, the ancient alien conspiracy, and I'm not a huge fan of the xenomorphs being on Earth, but just based on what we said about how we kind of fix the xenomorph problem on Earth by the first case, we keep it, keep it completely isolated to Antarctica and, you know, covered up by the predators on purpose, and in the second case, we keep it completely isolated to a town in the middle of nowhere that gets nuked off the planet with no survivors at all. That, to me, solves the problem. I don't love it. And again, if the movies never existed, it would have been better. But if we're mm -hmm. gonna just fix, if we're gonna fix them, I think we fixed them. And I don't yeah. think we need, I don't think we need to change them. What I think we need to do is 
now because I had this idea for ABP, now my idea becomes a new thing. Like it, it was already a huge departure, huge, but now it's just like, wait, fine, you did a Prey 2 and a Predator 6, well, I'm going to do an AVP thing, but it does come later in the timeline, so I don't want to okay. mention it yet, because oh, I, okay, I need, cool. we need to get, yeah, we need to get through Alien 3 first, and then I'll explain how it how it fits in, but, but yeah, Perfect. I think it's going to be pretty cool. It's my, it's like, it's my favorite part of the idea I came up with, where it was like, I kept thinking about, well, I want to do this and this and this and this, and then I realized that all of my ideas for like what I want, kind of what I wanted to do with like characters or concepts, they all fit together. Uh, so yeah, we'll get there. Um, okay. So now we've gone through all the Predator movies. Uh, everything else <laughs> after this is is alien based, right? So right. just real, a real quick run through the timeline, which is not the same as the chronological real world release of the movies. So let's just real quick kind of nail it down. Cause like I said, I have a lot to say about, alien three and what happens after that uh same resurrection and all this but we do know that there's like this whole prequel era with like prometheus and covenant oh boy yeah (laughs) so the way the timeline works is yeah you have all this predator stuff and the predator is the most recent uh like modern day movie in the in-universe timeline it takes place around 2018 which is around the time the movie came out um Mm. And then it jumps forward to Prometheus, which mostly takes place in 2094 with some stuff a few years prior that like led it led into it at the beginning of the movie. So you have 2094 Prometheus. Uh, about 10 years later, in 2104, you have Alien Covenant, and then we jump forward um, to the original Alien in 2122. So it's just what is that like? Uh, I can't math. It's like 18 years later, like not that much longer. Yeah. And then it's really not. Yeah. And then we, and we, everybody knows from the old movies that there's a 57 year gap. So alien in 21, 22 gets us to 2179 for aliens. Alien three takes place pretty much directly after that. And then alien resurrection is supposed to take place 200 years later and mm-hmm. they never nailed they never nailed down the exact year, but 200 years later would be 2379. So I have a lot to say about that. But anyway, so same. Gonna, <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm gonna back it up, and basically Prometheus and Covenant are the next two movies in the in movie timeline, followed mm-hmm. by like the original uh, quadrilogy. So I know you have thoughts about Prometheus. I'm gonna come out and say I don't. Like I I didn't really put a lot of thought into it because. I don't think that they even need to exist. I'm not a big fan of prequels in general. Same. These ones didn't work for me other than I thought Covenant was a stupid popcorn horror movie. And I liked the first part of it and I liked the end of it. The story is garbage and Prometheus is a mess. So I'm like, again, just like with AVP, I'd be okay with just like scraping them off the board. But I know you have some ideas. Well, yeah, I like I said, my approach to this uh, was definitely Ken can we salvage what exists and what would we add to the uh, overall pantheon of, of alien versus or alien and predator films? Um, so as much as I'm not a fan of covenant, I do like the idea of Prometheus. I just feel it was done wrong. Um, so for, for me, the, the biggest change with Prometheus is the engineers did not create life. They're not gods in this universe. Rather, they're mad scientists like fucking Hydra in Marvel. Like, 
they're the they, they don't seed planets with life they seed it with disease and ruin testing out their experiments so they're basically like these mad lunatics in the universe being like finding a planet that has life and being like introduce this let's see what happens mm-hmm. like they're just like fucking with other life so screw the whole idea of like oh they're it's alien jesus like screw that forget all that <laughs> i hate that crap i think it's dumb so i like the idea of them biologically testing stuff like creating weird experiments based on existing life um so at one point of course they're going to come to earth they introduce stuff like the black plague and various other elements on mankind um so of course there would be like you know, artistic renderings of these beings that came to Earth. And our characters of Shaw and Holloway and all that, they would misinterpret some of this as like, these are our creators. Like, because they want to believe it so badly that they believe the wrong thing. So we end up kind of with the movie that we got. Like, they believe that these creatures are benevolent. Maybe they're their creators. Maybe they're our teachers, whatever. They're there to guide mankind. So just like in the movie we got, they head out to they, they, you know, they find this planet that they think that they're on. They head out there. We get the whole they land the uh, I forget what, what planet it was. It was LV 223. Um, yeah. So they land on LV 223. They go into the, the engineer ship, all that. But th- this is where things are going to divert greatly. So uh, when they when they get to the engineer ship. They find that it's filled with a plethora of different weapons and creatures. So it's almost like this ship had an armory of various bad things. So we're going to have the black goo. Like, we're still going to have that. But, you know, it'll it'll mutate and deform victims. So it'll basically, it's some kind of, like, bio uh, bio weapon that will uh, mutate. Pick, picture a meal from RoboCop. <laughs> it'll it'll <laughs> fucking really just fuck them up, and then eventually they'll die from it. Uh, we would have the Hammerpeds. I still want to introduce those, but fuck the whole introduction to the idea of the Black Goo. These creatures are a parasitic creature that will latch on to a host's brainstem and puppeteer them like a brainless zombie. So just like they're, it's almost like the the spores in The Last of Us, but this one is a is a fucking snake-like parasite that'll latch onto your brainstem. Nice. Um, and then, of course, the last chamber, we're going to see the iconic Xeno eggs. Um, they're not going to pop out in this movie, but we're going to see them. We're going to know that the, the engineers were fully aware of the destructive capabilities of the xenomorphs and had a chamber of these eggs in, like, cryostasis. Um, so, of course, everything is going to go to hell when they find the mission logs of the engineer's ship and realize that they have destroyed world after world. These beings are not benevolent. They're not good. They want to kill. So, uh, meanwhile, you get David in his insanity trying to awaken the engineers that are on the ship. Eventually, he does. And the bastards go on a murder spree, rip David in half. They kill <laughs> Peter Wayland, killing others, blah, blah, blah. Basically hunting down the meddling humans in their ship. Uh, Shaw, Holloway and the others would fight back uh, against the engineers, unleashing some of their own creatures on them. They douse one of them in the black goo, melting him down. Like, like I said, like a meal. He's like, <laughs> just melts down into goo. Um, another one will get killed by the hammerpede, turning him into a raging zombie, which would start killing other engineers. So they have to take him down. 
Uh, they burn Zombie Boy with the flamethrowers and attempt to escape the planet on the Prometheus. But the engineer, one of the engineers sabotages the ship and crashes it back to, back to the planet's surface, killing several crew, crew members um, and, and, and injuring Shaw and the final engineer. So Shaw would come face to face with the mad engineer who is, you know, impaled on a piece of shrapnel. Basically, he's dying. You know, he smiles at her and kind of like runs his thumb across his throat like you're not getting out of here alive. Um, nice. You know, indicating she's dead on this planet. Shaw picks up a piece of mining equipment and jams it into the fucker's skull, killing him. You know, the whole like mankind killing God, that whole thing that <laughs> Ridley Scott was trying to play with. Um, so she gathers up, you know, the remnants of David, just like in the original, you know, and he convinces her he can fly the ship, but he needs a body. So Shaw and David live in the life pod that we saw, the Peter Whalen life pod. Uh, they live in there for a while while she's fixing David and is making comprehensive video logs about what happened. So the whole time she's telling them like about the engineers, she's talking about the, you know, that she was so wrong. Like the, these, these are not you know, these creatures mean us harm. They're not out to help us. Um, and eventually we would we would end the film with the two of them leaving LV-223 on the engineer ship, which would, of course, lead to Covenant. Now, scrap the entire fucking movie just about. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, we keep that the Covenant is the name of the ship. Um, but this thing's mission is not out to colonize another planet. This ship's entire mission is to find out what happened to fucking Peter Wayland, who is like the head of their corporation. Right. So, he like disappeared. <laughs> right. So they send out, they, they, they follow in the Prometheus's footsteps. They, they make their way to LV-223. Small crew, maybe like about like 10 people. And of course we have to have their android, who I'm going to say, fuck you, Ridley Scott. His name is Ethan, damn it. <laughs> like follow the, 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 freaking abcs <laughs> so we have we have about 10 people in ethan they land on lv223 uh see the wreckage of the the prometheus find the video logs from shaw and find out you know that they they left basically they they took the they took the engineer ship and took off so they use this information to track the engineer ship. Eventually, they find it on a less than hospitable planet filled with storms and harsh weather. So picture how LV-426 was when the crew of the Nostromo lands on it before it's been, um, you know, colonized, when it's just like yeah. storms are whipping around. It's like it's not hospitable for life. So that's where they find the crashed engineer ship. Uh, they, the crew send, you know, they send, they have the, the covenant is like hovering in space. They send a little like, you know, uh, little away ship down to the, the planet's surface to kind of find out what the hell's going on. Uh, they make their way to the engineer ship and they find David who explains the last days of Shaw. So basically they crashed on the planet. They were unable to fix the ship. So they were essentially stranded while they tried to forage for food and drink. There was little to no viable sustenance on the planet. And eventually Shaw was dying of starvation and thirst. Uh, David put her out of her misery at her request. So Ethan and David fast become friends and end up spending <laughs> a lot of time together, much like David and Walter in the original. Clearly, yeah. though, David is up to something. Uh, the years of solitude that followed left David glitchy and a bit unhinged. So, so we can see <laughs> something's yeah. wrong with him. Um, David explains what they went through on the Prometheus, uh, or went through with Prometheus crew and what happened to Mr. Wayland. 
What he doesn't explain is that he studied the engineer's notes thoroughly and understands the devastating power that their cargo holds. Wanting to see it for himself, David sabotages the Covenant landing ship so the ground team can't get, abo- can't get back aboard the Covenant proper. He also traps some of the crew in the egg chamber on the engineer's ship and watches with excitement as the facehuggers come out of hibernation and attack, leading to our first xenomorphs. Uh, the handful of crew that are on the planet now have to fight off David and his menagerie of beasts, including the newly born xenomorphs, as well uh, as as trying to uh, get the like get word to the main ship that they need help. The final act would see David getting attacked by a hammerpede, which would puppeteer him, really fucking him up. So imagine like an android zombie. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> So three crew members would get rescued by the Covenant and are pulled off planet along with the damaged but still functioning Ethan. The movie would end with Ethan running a a diagnostics check on himself while the crew is in cryostasis on their trip home. And there's a file that is corrupted marked David. We see Ethan glitching slightly as he begins going about his ship maintenance functions. So we know that David put something in his memory banks. So now he's he's been infected with a virus. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. So, I mean, I really went off <laughs> off marker <laughs> with, with Covenant, but I was like, how do I keep the idea of the, the malfunctioning droid, you know, the, the idea of the weapons of the, the engineers, and drop the whole, oh, David made the xenomorphs. Like, fuck that. I hate that. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> screw that. Screw that at all. No, I think that's great. I got no complaints. I got really nothing to add, honestly. I think that's a pretty solid way to go about it. You know, I definitely dig it. Um, I like the changes to Prometheus. I especially like the idea that, you know, Wayland yutani wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't just, like, you know, be like, oh, well, like, he disappeared. <laughs> you know, like, they would, they would, like, go after their, like, fucking, like, CEO and founder, you know. So. Right. It makes perfect sense that there. It's almost like a, it's like a rescue or like an exploratory mission. The, the one, one problem I always had with Prometheus at the beginning, and I think a lot of people who went to see it probably had the same concern or question, is like, is this supposed to be an origin story for the Xenomorphs or an origin story for the space jockey specifically that we see, you know, later on in in, in the timeline, but in the original Alien movie? It's like, where did the space jockey come from? But right. the space jo- they said the space jockey had been there probably for a couple of hundred years and had all of those, like, you know, face hugger eggs around him. So it doesn't seem like it could be connected to the story of David in any way. Like, how exactly. how does that happen? And I like the story that you just told. I like the idea of a synthetic who kind of goes crazy. Um, if I still think that this movie should probably come out in the same real world order that it did so that David isn't the first synthetic that we see. It's the first one in the in in universe chronological timeline because we haven't seen Ash, we haven't seen Bishop, like they don't exist yet. Right. Um but I, I do like the idea of, you know, having a synthetic kind of go nuts, especially since there's there's more so in the comics than the novel, but there are some humans who have like a prejudice against synthetics, you know, the androids. Like they don't, they don't trust them. They don't want them to be there. You know, um, I think Ripley, rightly so, <laughs> has right. a, a suspicion. But like, there's uh, you see other characters who are just like, oh, you know, fucking synthetic or whatever. So. Oh yeah, well um, we get we get that with Call in in Resurrection. We see like yeah. the way they react when they find out that she's a, a, an android. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, there's definitely a prejudice in this universe uh, for synthetics. Yeah, and, and I think it makes sense if in the chronological timeline. 
you know, and people who know about the synthetics would know about, oh, fucking David, like he went crazy. Like eventually would word would get around or something like something would happen, you know, right. or that the virus that comes back with Ethan would become a problem, you know, if, if, um, yeah. you know, but anyway, yeah. So I, I think, I think that's a good way to do it. I do kind of miss, I really like the big fight at the end of Covenant. I think, you know, that's one of the yeah. best parts. One of the best parts of those uh, this era of movies, like the the xenomorph on the ship, and I can't remember the characters' names offhand, but like Danny McBride is there, you know, and it's like right. I love that whole sequence. I think it's great. Yeah. But see, we could still technically do that because remember, there's going to be uh, a couple of xenomorphs, uh, right. and and of course David being puppeteered by the Hammerpede, so like yeah. zombie David uh, with the black goo and the the Hammerpede. So like the crew would be fighting against all of this. So we could even do the thing where like the Covenant like comes down planet side and is trying to pick them up and like they're you know the the xenomorphs are like jumping on the ship and like they have to you know get them off the ship before they can close that maybe they close the cargo bay or something like we mm-hmm. we could still do all that uh just it would just be done in a, in a slightly different fashion um yeah. but it would also be with a more traditional xenomorph and not like oh it's a protomorph because it was made out of shaw's eggs <laughs> like, oh, shut up <laughs> exactly but so now yeah no i'm down this what this is where I kind of ran into a wall. Um, so maybe you can help me out with this. So I, I figured the last of the trilogy we would call Alien Awakening, because um, okay. I know that was originally what what uh, they were planning on doing was another movie called Alien Awakening. So that's why I grabbed the title. Uh, but I also feel like it would make sense with where I wanted to end this movie. So this movie would pick up with the crew of the Covenant arriving back on Earth with stories of what happened to Mr. Wayland and the crew of the Covenant at the hands of the malfunctioning David. Uh, with Peter Whalen out of the picture, the shareholders merge with the Utani Corporation, creating the Whalen Utani Corporation as we now know it. Uh, Ethan's memory is scanned to get a better understanding of what happened on the mission. Of course, the scientists would find the corrupted David files, revealing not only the engineer's tech and bioweapons, but the existence of the xenomorphs. So now the corporation, with what little information they had from the previous run-ins, with uh, the Yaucha and like the secondhand knowledge we know of from the Xenomorphs, they would now be like, okay, these things are out there. We need to find them. So after seeing how destructive the creatures are, you know, they, they, of course they're like, ooh, we can, we can, we can use this. So where I wanted to end the movie, I don't know like what the crux of the film would be, but where I wanted to end the movie was have the Whalen Utani Corporation kind of seeding the galaxy with these little satellites. So they're sending, they're constantly launching these like satellites out into space uh, that their whole purpose is to scan for alien life. This network would be called mother. The film would end with the Nostromo heading out into deep space. So this would make sense. Why mother awakens the crew of the Nostromo mm-hmm. with a beacon from LV 426. Like why did mother awaken them in the first place? Like, it's 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 point. It was it was they were on a mining operation. Yeah. They weren't, no, that's so, awesome. so why would they go out there? Well, if the program if it was programmed to scan for alien life, of course, it would wake them up. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. You know, just a weird little bit of trivia as I was just Googling a detail that I wanted to look up was like, you know what? Uh, the sort of like proto uh, movie or screenplay that Dan O'Bannon worked on before Alien, he had called it Dark Star, right? You know, oh, yeah, Dark yeah. I've, I've seen Dark yeah. Star. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So it'd be funny if we called this like uh, 
satellite like uh, broadcast web if they referred to it as like the Dark Star Network or something like that. Oh, be funny. nice. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be really funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So basically, we, we we have we have at the beginning we the Wayland, we have the Wayland Yutani Corporation forming, and we, we've I've kind of been referring to that. Uh, faceless corporation by you know one or both names up to this point in the talk but you're right in the timeline order this is where they would merge Mm -hmm. and yutani kind of taking over leadership and then they're you know again they have the little bit of what they know about the owlf and the previous like you know predator incursions and then now they have some like hard evidence from the david or ethan files but again now they're like shit okay so they're out there we were Maybe there's something like we were looking on Earth. We knew that the predators came from off planet, but we didn't know where the where the xenomorphs came from. And they've been searching the planet looking for clues. And now they're like, scrap all Earth searches. Like we need to go to you know to space if we're going to search for these things. And now we have at least a direction to go in, like somewhere that way toward you know wherever you know. Uh, wherever it was lv what's it called 223 or whatever like mm-hmm. they're like at least go that way because the xenomorphs are from some quadrant of space toward that star you know whatever right so right because you know as <laughs> as billy bob thornton famously says in the movie armageddon it's a big damn sky so like where would you even start to look uh and i think this is sort of like their clue they're like perfect like we send a web of like not of, of satellites and also any ship that we send into space from now on or sent anywhere it's going to be constantly looking for um something that came back in the david files where it's you know like it's a dna match or it's you know there has to be something it's a frequency of the noises that they're making like how is it scanning for the xenomorphs like what's it looking for you know what 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 piece of data there's got to be something that it's trying to find some uh, remnant that the xenomorphs are leaving behind and it might again it might just be some kind of like a dna sample or something from you know from some spoonful of uh, acidic spit that ethan ethan had on him or whatever you know um so but sure. So now we have, we have to build a movie between <laughs> that and at the again at the end of the movie the Nostromo is like off and running, you know. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's it, kind of hard on the spot. I mean, I know that that's kind of like what we do here, but I think you you could do something interesting with almost like a, a total shift in like genre and approach, and it could be like a corporate uh, espionage that's... kind of a movie where you have like yeah. You know, Yutani, the I forget her first name, but you know the and she's like the you know the the bad bitch CEO who's like you know hell bent on like this is how I like make my mark and this is how I take over and then you know maybe the scientists are like don't do this don't do this like you 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 can't you know you can't do this you know mm-hmm. um and then maybe and maybe or maybe there's like some you know like every one of these movies has this like asshole scientist who just you know wants to. Uh, do anything that they possibly can, you know, morality be damned in the, in the interest of like learning more, expanding knowledge and power. So there's some evil scientist who's on Yutani's side. Who's like, no, 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 we need to do this. You know, like whispering in her ear the whole time. Like, this is how we're going to do it, you know? Right. Um, but again, do we have aliens in it? Because if it's alien awakenings or whatever we know he's called, like we could do a really cool like boardroom drama, but what, what's sci-fi about it? 
You know what I mean? Right. And see, and that's the thing. Like my my thing with the the title of Alien Awakening, like it made me think of like the crew of the Nostromo waking up to the alien beacon. So yeah. it was like if we're ending the movie like leading into like okay now the aliens are coming. Like you know it, like anyone who would see this film obviously would have seen the first Alien movie at this point. Mm-hmm. So they'd be like you're like oh shit this leads right into when the Nostromo you know comes across LV four twenty six. Um, but yeah, like, I can't think of the exciting crux of the film where it's like, you know, I have the beginning, I have the end, but like, what the fuck happens in the middle? Like, why do we care? (laughs) Yeah. And that's why it's like, you gotta, you gotta have some kind of like a villain. Like I could even picture like maybe a human that the Ash synthetic is patterned after, right? Because Ash oh, turned, yeah. turned out to be a traitor. Like he was, and, and Ash knew, right? Ash, and I, I'm drawing a blank now because it's no, it's he knew. A, yeah, it's okay. It's been a little while since I've seen the original Alien. Um, I didn't watch it in my recent watch through because I just saw it a couple months ago. But yeah, so Ash knew, which means he went there with that knowledge, right? That beacon and Mother waking everybody up. To your point, like it couldn't have been a coincidence. It couldn't have just been a distress signal that they just happened to be there. And like, no, Ash knew why he was there, you know? Mm. So yeah, maybe, maybe every one of the ships that we send out at the end of the movie, because maybe there's more than one, maybe it's, we see the Nostromo, but then the camera pans back and there's like a hundred other ones, you know what I mean? Like, and they're all, but they're all different ships. Like there's miners and there's truckers and there's military transports and they've all got the Wayland Yutani stamp on the back of them. And maybe what we find out is there's like an ash synthetic ash, you know, one ash, two ash, three, whatever ash, alpha ash, you know, Omicron, whatever, like in, in every one of those ships. So like, Ash was part of the Dark Star network. Like that, there had to be a like a brain, you know, behind it. Like mm-hmm. when they found something, they needed a synthetic on their side. They needed a thinking brain that wouldn't have a human uh, morality, you know, behind it. Um, so yeah, again, I think that that's interesting. But yeah, the only way to really do that is to make it like some kind of a you know corporate you know espionage drama. But hold on, what if what if this was a limited like a limited television series? Mm-hmm. So let let's say like Hulu is like. You know, okay, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do a limited prequel, like end to the prequel trilogy. It'll be like a twelve part uh, TV series all about the creation of the Wayland Yutani Corporation and leading up to why the Nostromo ends up where it does. So yeah, so we we do this whole like uh, the, this this drama that you're talking about, and we have like. Maybe people there. We have the scientists who are like all for what the Wayland Yutani Corporation wants to do. They're all for like, get us those xenomorphs. We want to study them, yada, yada, yada. But then you have like other scientists that are like, holy shit, like maybe they find out the information. And they're like, they're going to kill all those people. Like, we got to stop them. And we have this whole like, you know, uh, from this, this, uh, I don't want to say takeover, but we have this like, you know, rogue group from within trying to stop the corporation. And of course, you know, they're not going to be successful, but like we give the viewer all of the information of like, Oh shit, you know, Ash has been programmed by these sick motherfuckers that want to study the, the xenomorphs, you know, like, and Oh no, they're, they're sending the the Nostromo out there. <laughs> like they're, they're fucked that whole thing. But yeah, yeah. We, we could get away with like a dramatic 12 episode TV show Mm-hmm. Uh, without really giving us like a full on like alien threat. It could just be like a lot of talk about the aliens, how like mm-hmm. 
what we're looking for, all that kind of stuff. Like, I know it's not as exciting as an alien movie, but I feel like what Ridley Scott wanted to do with like seven other movies between fucking Prometheus and alien doesn't make sense. So if you do like an episodic television show that just kind of wraps up Prometheus and covenant and leads into the alien universe, I think that would work. I, I totally agree. As soon as you said TV, I was like, oh, yeah, that's it. That's exactly what you do, because you can do all kinds of like Aaron Sorkin, fast paced, you know, dialogue, drama on TV, because you're, you can do it in like 45 minute bursts instead of trying yeah. to make someone sit sit through a two hour movie called Alien Awakening and there's no alien in it. You know, exactly. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but I think you can I think you could do that on TV. And I think you're exactly right. What we have is we have the the last remaining vestiges of the OWLF that exist within the the corporation but now it's like this department and it's their it was their job all along to like continue to look for signs of xenomorphs on earth continue their study on the predators maybe we find it at some point that i don't want predators in the show i think that would be too much like let's keep it you know like a little bit less sci-fi more drama but like what if we 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 find out from the show that like they've been in touch with the predator you know community like they found their home planet or whatever it's like yeah they're on the list but they're not but they're a threat they're so they're not a weapon they're a threat so they're not our highest priority but like we've been gaining intel on them so if the yaucha ever show up like fuck those guys and maybe this is the first time we ever hear the word yaucha or either this one or there's another uh, my AVP ID that I'm going to get to, like, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. But we hear that for the first time, you know, like spoken out loud. But this would be a good place for it because we can have one of the scientists talk about, oh, yeah, we found out they call themselves the Yautja, which is how we say this weird thing that they do with their clickers, you know, with their mandibles, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think you could do some cool sci-fi stuff. But I'm thinking of like the TV show House, right, where you, yeah, you yeah, have yeah. to in- – we have to introduce some guy, and he's like this, like super, like uh, incredibly intelligent, uh, like a savant of a doctor who he's been, he's been kind of cooling his heels in retirement, like working for the OWLF. Nothing, there isn't a whole lot to do, but at least it keeps him his brain, you know, spinning because he's just been studying, like you know, predator or DNA strands from like corpses they recovered here and there, and like you know, he's been writing the uh, the the treatise on you know the the Yaucha for you know like the everything you ever learned about the Yaucha, but we're afraid to ask in like one <laughs> book, you know what I mean? Uh, and then he has these two other two or three other people who work for him. And so like when they find out that like, Oh shit, like, you know, Ash, they're, they're programming, maybe Ash was part of their team and they're like, they're going to, they, they secretly program Ash to like, look for the xenomorphs. They find, you know, that they, our doctors find out that, you know, Yutani has this new mission because like Ethan came back with like David in his head. And now they know, you know, they kind of, maybe they kind of notice like there's weird shit going on. Like, why are we amassing so many like, you know, intergalactic, like traveling ships? Like, why are we hiring all these like miners and soldiers? And like, what's going on? You know? And, yeah. and of course, and our like rule breaking doctor who's bored writing the encyclopedia of the predator, you know, he just starts poking into it at first just because it's something interesting. And then he's like, Oh no, you know, now he really finds out. So, but he also is smart enough to know that if they're going to do anything about it, it's got to be sabotage. They got to try to stop this mission, right? And mm-hmm. so, again, let me fast forward. You mentioned to the end with the Nostromo takes off, and I was like, pan the camera back, and there's a bunch of them. Well, who's looking in the sky to see a bunch of them? Turn the fucking camera around, and it's our doctor who's like, oh no! Like the end, the very last scene, of the very last episode is we failed. 
you know, but nice. of course, it's, it's awesome drama for the readers because it's a cool twist. Like you don't see that coming. And if you're a fan of the series, you know, we keep that under wraps. Nobody knows that's how it's going to end. You know what I mean? The Nostromo, other than maybe if you know who Ash is, you could put it together. But, you know, the casual viewer might not be able to understand right away. You know, I dig it. I dig it a lot. Um, and, and keep in mind, like, too, the the the. Um... The, the scientists would have access to information about the Yaucha from Predator 6. So they would know mm-hmm. of like, you know, yeah, we fought these guys before. Like maybe maybe it's like almost like we have a <laughs> we have a, a very um, tenuous relationship with the Yaucha where it's like <laughs> we fought them back. Mm-hmm. But the splinter group that came at us, maybe, maybe they're still pissed. So it's like kind of like the you stay out of our territory, we'll stay out of yours type of thing. Um, mm-hmm. so it's like, maybe we, we could even mention that in an episode where it's like, they talk about the, the predator, the predator fights of the past, you know? Oh um, yeah, dude, 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 I got it right. This, that's the, that's the, the hook at the end of the first episode that gets people to come back for the rest of our little mini series is the whole first episode. We find out something's going on with Ash. They're mobilizing all these people, smart doctor awakens you know to you Mm -hmm. know out of his out of his boredom to be like oh here's a new puzzle to solve and he finds out oh no like they're you know they're going into space like they're purposely uh seeking out an alien encounter and he's he's like oh no they're going for the yaucha like we have to stop them like that's why they're shutting us down that's why they're taking ash because we're the yaucha experts and you know they don't want to listen to us we're trying to tell them like diplomacy mixed with leave them the fuck alone because with with the predators it's all like you know um, fuck around and find out. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, <laughs> exactly. So, so this crew is like, no, 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 no. We have to stop this. We have to stop this. Like, you have to leave the Yacho alone. Like, they're gonna wipe us out. And it's not until like the very end of that first episode that like you know, smart doctors hacking in, trying to like you know, stop something, or he hacks into Ash's head and is trying to reprogram him, and then he sees what Ash sees, and it's like. Oh no! And then the the viewer gets to look. It's not the Yaucha. It was Xenomorphs all along, you know. And now it's nice. like, oh no, shit, alien. That's why, you know, what I mean, like, and that that's a really cool way to put a hook in the reader in the first episode. We start with, you know, like this misdirection that they're off base, thinking it's the predator, but it was the alien all along. And then we spend the next like, you know, five, four or five episodes just, you know, secretly trying to carry out this like sabotage mission, only to see it completely fail at the end. Nice. Oh, I did. Yeah. yeah, this is awesome. Okay. See, I knew I knew if I if I just brought that to the table, we would figure something out because I was so confused last night when I was trying. I'm like, I can't figure it out. But that that fits perfectly. I love it. Yeah, me too. And I'm really excited, too, that we have more improv in this episode, because I mentioned at the beginning, this is going to be kind of a special one where we did more planning ahead, because that's a lot to just like even keeping it all in your brain is a lot. Like I had to. Oh, yeah. Down. But like, I really like the fact that we just like came up with something like on the fly. Definitely. Love it. That's awesome. I love that. And of course, it brings us to the next entry in our timeline, 2122. We get the original Alien, finally. And I don't know about you, but I'm ready to move on to the next one because this movie is perfect. Yep. No changes (laughs) needed to Alien. And I don't think any changes are needed to Aliens either. I think both of those movies uh, stand the test of time. They are fucking amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. No argument for me. What's so fucking ever. So Alien 3, we talked about this a little bit on our last episode, but we both really like Alien 3, but mm-hmm. it was like, uh, we just need to tweak it just a little bit, like just it's, because it's a great movie, but it's not a good sequel to Aliens, as, yep. you, as you pointed out. And to me, I think 
that there is a really easy fix to that. And it also leads into a new thing that I want to do, like a, a new entry uh, into our overall uh, timeline here, um, sort of my version of the AVP. So I'm sure you have some thoughts, but this is my fix for Alien 3. It's simple. It's so simple that I can't believe they didn't actually fucking do it, which is <laughs> um, it, the, the movie is exactly the same thing that we got, except mm-hmm. Newt, Newt does not die. Yep. And we mentioned in the last episode that, like, well, we can't just have this, like, little girl running around, you know, like, wh- what do you do with that? Like, on you know, like a prison planet? And so the fix is really simple. Newt survives in cryosleep. They never wake her up. She's in the cryopod. Maybe they're afraid okay. to wake her up. Maybe they're afraid to wake her up because the cryopod is damaged. And they're like, we don't know what's going to happen if we open it. We just need to leave it alone until we can get her to a better, better medical facility. Right. And this mm-hmm. is easy because then you can have the entire movie happen exactly the same way. The only things you change are, again, they move the the cryo sleep chamber out of the uh, escape pod thing into the med lab. Instead of doing the whole horrible autopsy, we just have them do medical scans on her body in there, specifically with Ripley trying to tell uh, what's his name? Charles Dance to, like, look at the abdomen, look at the chest, you know. Right. And so. And she could still be upset, not upset because they're ripping Newt open in front of her, but upset because she's really worried that Newt might not survive this because they can't open the chamber. They don't see anything in there, but she still isn't quite convinced. Maybe there's like scratch marks on the side of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And then the rest of the movie takes place exactly in the same way, except we throw in a couple of mentions here and there of like, you know, we got to get Newt off the planet. We got to get, you know, a ship with a with a make sure that ship has like a stock you know med bay or whatever and at the end at the end when ripley sacrifices herself to kill the chest burster and she jumps into the lava and just disappears <laughs> right <laughs> you know <laughs> it would it would be even more like of a of a sacrifice it would be heartbreaking to her because maybe we even see like when the fake bishop guy shows up and was like come with me maybe she looks over and sees his dudes like loading you know, the cryo sleep chamber onto the ship, you know, and, and she looks at it and she's like, no, no, like, I want to go with her. But like, I got to kill this thing. Like, I, you know, and it makes her sacrifice painful at the Ooh, end, okay. of peaceful. You know what I mean? And that's okay. it. The rest of the movie is the same. See, I, I went in a similar but slightly different uh, direction um, where, where I had it because I, I like I like I like what you did because, yeah, I, I want to keep it the same, too. Um, where I went with it is that the the opening of the film, we would have the ship being recovered by the Whalen Utani Corporation. Um, we would have this all during the opening credits. What they find is a dead face hugger and damaged cryopods, leading us as the viewer to question if everyone is all right. Uh, needing an explanation for how an entire platoon of Marines, along with an entire dead colony and billions of dollars in atmosphere creation equipment, uh, went missing, they or went, you know was destroyed. They basically blame Ripley and Hicks as terrorists, sabotaging the atmosphere generator and killing the others. Newt is placed in an orphanage, more on her later, and uh, Bishop is salvaged for parts, his memory confiscated and researched about, you know, for the aliens. Mm -hmm. Uh, The company would, of course, do bioscans and take blood and tissue samples from the entire group, therefore knowing someone is impregnated. But, you know, they have the blood and tissue if they want to do clones later. Um, Yep. Both Hicks and Ripley are sent to Fury 161. Uh, we drop the whole only men on the prison planet thing and just basically have it be like 
this work prison at the ass end of the galaxy where they're forced to live out the rest of their days. What they don't realize is that the company knows one of them is infected and are using it as a test to see just how destructive Mm. the creatures are. After some prison drama and fights, we see the telltale signs that Hicks is sick and the chest burster breaks out and escapes into the bowels of the prison. So we now get uh, we now get the movie as as the, the team of prisoners you know have to fight the alien with little no weapons. So same as the original, um, but we get the iconic scene of the alien sniffing Ripley and realizing she's carrying the queen. Mm-hmm. So we drop the whole ending of the company coming for Ripley. Instead, yeah. the prisoners win. Ripley says her goodbyes as she begins to feel the signs of the alien ready to emerge and mm-hmm. throws herself into the molten metal as the queen bursts out, killing both herself and the alien. Uh, we end with the Wayland scientists looking at the vials of blood from Ripley and Hex. So we know something's coming. Um, I kind of I wanted to do that because I love the idea of the clone in Resurrection. And I mm-hmm. feel like if Wayland yutani is this big, giant fucking corporation, like we've seen how like overbearing they are in the second movie um, and in all of the ancillary material like comics and whatnot. Um but I kind of like the idea of like, like, yeah, of course, they'd want some fucking explanations for what the hell happened on LV-426. And they're definitely going to need someone to blame it on to their shareholders. So they're going to be like, yeah, these two fucking yeah. terrorists like sabotaged everything. We're not responsible. You know, <laughs> so. yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, yeah, that works. But then they ultimately get, you know, tissue samples. They get they get something they can work with. Like they don't have, um, you know, well, here's the thing, like. They, what they really want is a xenomorph, right? So right. if they know that Hicks and potentially Ripley are infected, would they put them somewhere just to see what happens? Or would they just take him back with them because they're like, they have what they need. It's just inside the chest. All they have to do is wait for it to come out. And then voila, they finally have the alien they've been searching for fucking forever. You know? Right. See, I always thought that they, they were after the specifically the oh, wait, no, you're right there after the chest burst just because the, the whole uh, impregnation thing in aliens. I forgot about that. Um, cause I was going to say that they were, they were after the, um, you know, the face hugger so they could, they could yeah. test it out. And I was thinking like, if they had the DNA sample, like they're like, shit, we can work with this. Um, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, like, I guess that doesn't make a lot of sense that they would send them out to, but I, I like the idea of them using them as a scapegoat. Well, I do so. too. I think, I think because they're this, that the big corporation, they have a lot of pull. I th- I say it's all just a story and we don't, but we don't, we might not find out until, the next movie like resurrection but we find out later on that yeah they they blamed it on everything on ripley oh yeah we sent her to prison like no you didn't that was a fucking accident you know what i mean you know oh and, yeah okay I see what you know what i mean like so they, they're, they're gonna spin it you know and they could even they could even say that like they uh i'm, I'm trying to think to again saying this in real time and trying to adapt to what you said it's like having them sent to prison on purpose it makes more sense than it just being an accident but I don't know how to get Hicks and Ripley there with chestbursters. Like, I like the idea of them going to prison on purpose, but I don't know if the idea of, like, let's just see what happens. I don't know that that really works, to be honest with you. You know, I, mm-hmm. I like it. And I think it's it's in it's it's in keeping with what the Wayland Utani Corporation would have been doing all along. But um, I don't think that they would just give it away. They, they would, they wouldn't just give the chest bursters away you know, mm-hmm. you know, to the planet and just hope for the best. They would like, if Newt had a chest burster, then for sure, or maybe dude they right keep, there, they, they, or they keep, or they keep Hicks. Was what I, but that was my next thing is like, they keep Hicks and send Ripley to prison. I, 
you 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 fucking nailed it in one though when you said if Newt had a chestburster. So they they send Hicks and and Ripley off to the prison planet, like blaming them. They're the scapegoats. Mm-hmm. Newt is still in cryostasis, like you had said. Mm-hmm. They realize she has one in her, and they they remove it surgically. So now they have one in captivity. Nice. So they have they have one in captivity, and now they have like a case study that they can watch. Right. right. And, and they, they just kind of more soon. They just send Newt off to be like, you know, they, they the whole time she's in cryostasis. They they do this fucking operation on her. Mm-hmm. Sew her back up, keep her in cryostasis and then ship her, ship her off to some fucking backwood orphanage. Like, yeah, she's OK. I got, I got that one. I got that one. Like, that's I have an idea for that coming up here for. So, we haven't gotten, we haven't I was going to say I have one as well. Franchise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, no, this is perfect. So, I like this better, right? So exactly. So, so it wasn't an accident. They get intercepted. Uh, yeah, the Wayland Utani is like corporations, like what the fuck? Like you know, we we purposely we found you floating in space, Ripley. We rescued you. We we invested this whole uh, you know uh, mission to go and save these colonists because we've lost this whole thing. And you not only did are the colonists still gone because you didn't help us with that, but also like now you made it even worse and destroyed even more shit, destroyed all the aliens that we would have been happy to take. So like none of that was successful. So yeah, they're like blame everything on you. Hell, we're gonna blame the colonists' death on you. We're gonna blame everything on you. It's all your fault. Like mm-hmm. you, you brought you brought the alien with you back from uh, LV426. So you're gonna go to prison, go with Hicks, like you said. You know, poor uh, Bill Paxton gets to die uh, again. <laughs> right. uh, yeah, exactly. So, and then we find out later on, and maybe we we maybe we see the you know the fake bishop or this some other character, Wayland Yutani um, representative, and he's constantly talking to like the warden of the prison like in secret. So like we as the viewers get to see these conversations, but of course Ripley doesn't know, and this is how we're learning where he'll he'll say something like, oh, make sure you keep them apart or you know, whatever, you know, he's, he's kind of like, he doesn't want to tell the warden what's going to happen because all these people are about to die and probably the warden too, but like, he's going to say something, you know, or maybe what, maybe at one point, like Ripley, you know, kills one of the, uh, the new xenomorphs from like that burst out of one of the prisoners. And it's, and then, you know, like the warden gets a message on his, like, you know, secret, like two way radio screen. That's just like, stop her, stop her now. What are she doing? You know, she's killing all of our, you know, all of our test subjects. And he's just like, what do you mean test subjects? These are my prisoners. These are humans, you know, and whatever. And then we, we, we get, we could get to see some of that corruption where he's just like, don't you fucking question me, you know? Right. Yes. <laughs> I'll, bomb, I'll bomb your ass from space. Like <laughs> let it, let it, pl- let it play out, you know, <laughs> I'll nuke it from orbit. <laughs> okay. So this is good. I think we're good on alien three. I think we can move on and we have a segue into the next two entries. Now, mm-hmm. I know you have notes and I do too, but this is where, like, I didn't, I wasn't invested in Prometheus and Covenant as much. You had, you had some ideas for, uh, you know, Predator Six and whatnot, and a Prey Two, but like, this is where I put all my thought into is yeah. what happens, what happens after Alien Three, you know? Okay. Um. Okay. So I'm gonna just gonna tell you what I got, and you jump in and we'll mash them up. So starting with Resurrection. Um. Now we know the nude is alive. We see that. But I don't want Newt to be in this movie. Just we're gonna just hang on to that. So Dude, I think we're right on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> now I was bagging on Resurrection on our last episode in the AVP ABCs. You know, I was kind of picking on it. Like this is the very very early 2000s. Um, but I decided to watch it again and like pay more close attention to it because uh, I it was never really my favorite one. But I, when I watched it again, I'm like, you know what? There's a lot of good stuff here. There's, 
the bad acting annoys the shit out of me, but there's a lot of good stuff here. Um, and so I think you don't really need to change it a whole lot, but we do something like Alien 3 where just, let's just tweak it. We tweak it to make it better. Mm-hmm. And I think I think the, the tweak is it needs to focus more on Ripley as the main character. She's been the main character of the series so far, and I think it's weird that she's like a spaced out – you know, coked out zombie through half the movie and there's focus on, you know, Dan Hadaya and these like, uh, <laughs> you know, space smugglers with like Winona Ryder and, you know, who's just fucking phoning it in the whole time. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think what we do is, yeah, it's a clone of Ripley. We learned that, but we don't know it at first. When the movie starts on, first of all, it's not 200 years in the future. That doesn't make any fucking yep. sense. That's dumb. It should be like, 10 years later I, dude, I, put, I put 15 years of the future yeah. Instead of yeah. 200. yeah 10 or 20 <laughs> years 15 perfect it's long enough so that behind the scenes the Whalen yutani slash military industrial complex you know the, uh, they've they've been trying to they had some xenomorphs maybe we find out that the ones that they had before like from newt that one died and something bad happened to it and like a, and then uh, of course, the Ripley Hicks ones, they blew the whole fucking, you know, they they died. So they lost. They had xenomorphs, and then now they're da- gone, because, either because the one they had died, and Ripley killed the rest of them, you know. Um, mm. I don't know. I don't know. We saw we saw that they had some in captivity, but, like, they were trying to, like, make this weird, like, human hybrid. So maybe they just had the one, and it never bred or something. I just don't want it to be, like, 15 years later, and you can't take, like, an insect and not have it, like, breed exponentially out of control you know so right there's got to be some way where they're like still trying to nail this thing down they can't have like a swarm of xenomorphs in their control like it just doesn't make any sense in the universe i mean it does but like it ruins the whole the storyline humans are all dead um Mm -hmm. anyway that's not the point so the point is yeah they're trying to clone Ripley slash alien xenomorph hybrid. So at the beginning of the movie, we see Ripley wake up and we, and we, we last saw her at alien three dive into a vat of molten like steel or whatever, and get uh, melted like the, like Schwarzenegger and T2. And <laughs> right. So now she like wakes up hair, clean med lab. She's like, what's going on? She's confused. She remembers things, but not everything. And she's like, Newt, where's Newt? Oh no, Hicks, whatever. Like, you know what I mean? She's confused, mm-hmm. but, but there's, there's, but she doesn't know right away what's going on. And the doctors are like, Oh, you're fine. Like, you know, we rescued you. You jumped into the thing, but we got you out and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, what? What do you mean you got me out? Oh, you're just rem- remembering it wrong. And they're kind of like gaslighting her into thinking that like, you're fine. You're just on the med ship. And then, over time, you know, we she finds out that as she's remembering more and more, she's like, no, like I was dead and they took Newt. And, you know, and then eventually we, you know, she maybe she cuts herself, gets in a fight, gets frustrated and like punches the glass and then sees she has this acid blood. And she's like, what the fuck? The movie plays out in the same way, but she's not this, you know, spaced out weirdo. Like she has mm. the same she has the same personality, but she has to recover her memories and she's learning what's been going on. What do you mean it's been fifteen fucking years? Like what do you mean you know, I'm a clone? You know what right. I mean? Like and 
but the same thing like the smugglers show up they're bringing humans the same story plays they, they're trying to do this they're trying to repeat the prison experiment all over again in this like military you know installation dan hadaya was planning on just like peacing out like you can have my soldiers i don't care i'm gonna take my millions and get out of here you guys can have your secret base to like perform your illicit experiment in but so yeah the movie just plays out pretty much as normal like there's a synth there's a synthetic who knows what Ripley is and is like, fuck this. Like, we've seen this too many times and now I'm going to get blamed for it because I'm a synthetic and every other synthetic that she's ever encountered, you know, has betrayed her. So, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> so, yeah, the movie plays out the exact same way, but we, and Ripley is like super Ripley with like the acid blood and every everything else happens the same way. But again, mm-hmm. Ripley has to have agency. She has to get her memories back. She is the same old Ripley that we know, have known and loved except that she's a copy of the original one, but like we get her back, you know? Mm-hmm. And for me, the biggest thing is we've already talked about doing like alien awakening and like predator invasion, but we always hate these stupid R word titles. You know, know. We, we had a whole episode about like revenge and resurrection and retaliation <laughs> and whatever. So we have a movie called alien resurrection and I hate the title. And here's my idea. So we have alien and again, the titles, right? They fucked up the, mm-hmm. the Predator Prey one. But we had Alien. Then Aliens. They made it a plural because there was more than one. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Alien 3. But it was Alien Cubed, right? So they're just yep. – they're, they're making – they're expanding it. And then the fourth one is just called Alien Resurrection. Like, boring, right? Mm-hmm. It either needed to continue the path of, like, the numerical, like, exp- exponent or my idea – no, no, fuck that. The first movie is called Alien because the alien, the xenomorph, was the threat – this movie is called Ripley because yep. Ripley is the threat in this movie. Ripley Love. is going to kick some ass in this movie. Love it. <laughs> That's yeah. perfect. See, now I, I went, I went slightly different, but I think we're, we're kind of on the same page. Um, Cause basically what I put is 15 years in the future, instead of 200, uh, the Whalen yutani corporation, is, is, they're still powerful, but they're now working with the United systems military creating bioweapons. Uh, So the movie would focus on the team trying to successfully merge xenomorph and human DNA to create a powerful and obedient soldier. They, of course, uh, use the DNA samples from Ripley to not only clone her, as we saw in the movie, but they alter her genetic makeup slightly. So the hybridization was intentional, um, as is that of the queen. So they, they recreate a queen and change it slightly. So the movie would play out with a few changes. Instead of the queen giving birth and having the hybrid killer, there would be various hybrids uh, throughout that are contained in a lab. So we would see when, when things go to shit, the crew have to fight Xenos hybrids and eventually a queen. So we wouldn't just have like, Oh look, there's the weird like alien human baby. There would be some of those where they were crossing human alien DNA. We could even throw a fucking nod to, you know, alien versus predator. And maybe they had some Yaucha DNA they were fucking with. And we see like a weird pred alien in one of the test tubes. Yeah, um, of course. Of course. Yeah. You know, so yeah, we or could a, see. Or a predator Ripley. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like we could find out that like, yeah, Ripley is who, you know, she's still Ripley because she's a clone of Ripley. But like she could have like these weird, um, almost like predatory urges. Like she wants like when a fight breaks out, like she wants to fight, you know, and she and she's yeah. a fucking badass about it. So it's like we're kind of seeing like they were trying to turn her into a soldier because they were like this one woman successfully wiped out a hive, like (laughs) took out a queen and and wiped out a fucking hive. 
and she's fought and won against these creatures with little to no weapons on two other occasions. So clearly she's a fucking badass. Let's use the DNA we have on file and merge it with a Xeno. So, you know, I kind of like the idea of having like the the movie play out as we saw, like lots of fights. They got to fight the hybrids, yada, yada, yada. They eventually, uh, you know, get an escape ship. They leave, you know, maybe it's the, the smuggler ship. Like we saw in the movie, they escape, Mm -hmm. they make it back to earth. Like they blow up the ship in orbit, like the other ship, like it's out in space still, like it hasn't come to earth. Um, so they blow that up, they land on earth and we could end the movie with having call, you know, looking Ripley and asking her like, what do you plan to do now? And she just says live. And she, and she fucking leaves like Ripley's out. She's like deuces bitches. Like I'm, I'm no longer the Ripley. I once was, I have a second chance at life. I'm out. And she just fucking yeah. goes off. And that's the last time we see R- Ripley. Okay. Well, see, and I, I love that. And I wrote down something very similar too. I almost forgot to mention it. And I'm glad you did. Cause I wrote this down that at the end of the movie, she just pieces out, but she, she sort of does, does that thing where she kind of packs up and like grabs the ship. And they're like, wait, where are you going? Like call Winona Ryder, whoever, whoever, whoever's alive. Right. It's like, Hey, <laughs> wait, like, where are you going? And she's like, I'm out of here. I did my thing, blah, blah, blah. And they asked her like, you know, specifically like, you know, where are you going? And she's like, I'm going to find these bastards, you know, or whatever. And oh, then boom, like, it's like, or she, you know, she, or she's just like, you know, what do you, what do you do, you know, with, you know, a bug infestation, you exterminate it. And, and, and she'll, she goes off to like, you know, hunt these bastards to the end of the universe. Boom. And she's out, you know, and it's like, Oh damn, you know, nice. but like, just, just calm. And like, I'm on to the next mission to wipe these monsters, these locusts, like off the you know face of the universe. <laughs> nice. I love it. I love it. Okay, so good. We're on the same page there. And then I have a feeling we probably did something similar for the next uh, installment. But that basically that takes us to the very end of everything that we have now in in the real world. Like, you know, we're at the end of the timeline, mm-hmm. uh, except we have we need to talk about what happened to Newt. And I mentioned yep. that I had an AVP idea. So bear with me. This one, it, it might be a little bit long, but I'll stop and you can jump in. But this is what I think we should have done with AVP all along. Which is that it should have been a t- it should have been a TV show, and we I wasn't planning at the beginning of this of doing Alien Awakening as a TV show or even knew about it at all that you, we introduced that right right but I in my notes I really wanted to do AVP as a TV show it would have been like an early 2000s after the movies if the movies came out right which in our, our new version they did so you get 2005 or six maybe so you get like a sci-fi or like a showtime original series right mm-hmm. and so it's like a pg-13 rated probably tv show and i say is it's this is newt's story right newt is the main newt is the main character of this show and what we do is yeah so newt has the definition of like a badass mofo origin story Right. Her mm-hmm. childhood was so messed up that she went to this colony on LV-426, like saw her family murdered. She was traumatized, living with these monsters and surviving. Ripley shows up and becomes this archetype that imp- imprints on her about what a badass, kick-ass, take-no-prisoners woman and just hero in general should be like this is newt's role model and she briefly knew ripley but like it was such a powerful memory that yeah she grows up in Wayland newtani orphanages i had that written down you know um <laughs> and she's co- constantly being pestered for like blood samples and information and what do you remember and you survived and how did you do that and like her whole life like they won't leave her alone and it's like you know 
they don't own her, but they might as well, right? Especially when like, the the corporation became her guardian when she was a young uh, when she was young, right? So right. she literally had this corporation as her parent. And that just leads to this trauma of her. So by the time she grows up, now she's in like her 40s. This oh, OK. After, right. After resurrection has happened. And I see her doing something similar to like the original Ripley, where now where she's like she just wants to get out of Dodge, like get away from the Utani Corporation as much as she can. They've pestered her her whole life. So she's going to go out to this like way out on the fringe of like human expansion. And I had written it down as an asteroid like mining facility. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you mentioned before something about having this like colony, like expansion group somewhere that runs into xenomorphs. And that kind of harkens back to like the original version of Covenant. So I don't really think it matters, but whether it's a mining facility or a colony or both. But she goes out there and basically is like, look, I'm just going to go work in this mine and do my my own business. And I don't want these corporate dudes to like, you know, remember me like it's been years. Like, let them forget about me and they can do their thing. Uh, you know, have some peace once and for all. But of course, peace does not follow Newt anywhere she goes. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I didn't really talk about the story too much. I was kind of focused on like a cast and a setting. Um, but yeah, clearly they go there and oops, there's xenomorphs and like, you know, they wake them up. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we get this like infestation of xenomorphs all across this colony, but it's like spread out amongst various like asteroids in this asteroid belt with like a central ship, a big ship like the Nostromo or even bigger, like a like a mothership with that, with that. And they've been like, you know, they're sending out work crews to like build stuff on this like asteroid belt. It's almost like they're putting like their own planet together, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the xenomorphs invade but it has to be spread out because they can't invade all at once all at the same time you know they're they're like they're taking over escape pods and like jump ships and you know the the little the little transports and it's like they're slowly making their way up to the mothership and to the other outposts on the asteroid belt and it's just going to be chaos at first and in literally like our first episode we have to have the deus ex machina is like a there's a xenomorph about to kill maybe Newt, you know, or maybe or someone, one of our other characters, and like doing that thing, leaning in close, about to do the, you know, the the death strike, and then a fucking spear comes down through the top of its head and like acid nice. everywhere. And there's a Yautja who's like showed up to be like, nah, not on my watch, right? And so basically, what you find out is like, as soon as the aliens got out, it was like a beacon was sent because the Yautja learned just like the humans learned, like, and mm-hmm. they, so they come for them, they come for them on mass right they're not and it's not a rescue mission it's a oh crap somebody found you know like somebody kicked the anthill like now we can all go and like you know get our badges you know or whatever mm-hmm. like they can it's manhood season for all the ouches you know who were like looking for, <laughs> good for a fight you know and so it's but my point is that it's selfish for them at first right mm-hmm. uh so they're there with their, with their own agenda the xenomorphs are spreading like locusts we finally get to see this swarm that we've been talking about all along like a huge swarm of them and the humans just you know fighting to survive but now they're cut off and there's all these different outposts so we have all this opportunity for episodic stories where it's like we got to get to the food store we got to get to the we got to save the scientists who are on the asteroid oh we got to get to the engine room you know what i mean it's like Mm -hmm. everything is so spread out and uh over time we're going to have these like little conflicts 
with you know predator versus xenomorph xenomorph kills predator predator kills xenomorph humans are involved like it's you, every episode you got to come up with like what's our big fight this episode like what's the big set piece going to be right mm-hmm. and so eventually you're going to end up with this ragtag group of characters and i didn't name them but just kind of like pointed out who they were going to be and it's funny because some of the things i wrote down we've already mentioned before mm-hmm. um and then I added one to while we were talking. So first of all, you have Newt, right? She's the main character, and she's the Ripley character here, the Ripley yep. type, right? And then you have you have a, a a human who loves synthetics a little too much, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so like the dude from Jason X. <laughs> yes, exactly. But in this case, it's almost it's it's it goes to the, to the point where you find out eventually we find out that this guy has like a cyborg arm because you know he loves him a little bit too much, you know. <laughs> Oh, okay. So yeah, he's he's altering his own body. I like it. Yeah. And then you have a synthetic on the other side of that, a synthetic who loves humans, not in a in the same way, but just a synthetic who genuinely thinks that humans are awesome. Like kind of like the Walter character from Covenant who like you created me, you gave me what I am, like you know what I mean? Like you you yeah. I exist because of you who just truly who doesn't care about the corporation and just truly loves humans and is almost like gaining like you know sentience or whatever so and then you have a this is funny i had written this down and listen to this a human woman who survives a chest burster incubation and ends up with powers similar but not quite as strong as the ripley eight with acid blood so i'm like wait we just talked about we just talked about newt surviving that like you know when she was a kid you know maybe she's secretly has that power too just oh, from nice. this thing in her and i'm like oh that's awesome I, but we won't know that at first like we'll learn that right it'll be a surprise right mm-hmm. um and then uh eventually we have a predator who is and i and again this came up earlier too where in in the uh, uh shit in the prey too but i wrote down a predator who is bested by a human fair and square and now allies with them because he sees humans as honorable and he's going to be in conflict with other predators throughout the series who are constantly trying to like kill the humans because you know they're a threat and he's like no 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 like dude like they're on they're on a level with us like stop it you know and so right. he's he, so he's like the outcast predator who lives with the humans and then I, I added this one that I was like, what if there was like a descendant of like the Comanche who who like has Naru as like this legendary warrior that she like loves and looks up to. And so, you know, of course, when the Yauchas show up and she's just like, oh, Naru saved me, you know, <laughs> like right. pray, praying to the ancestors. And I, I, I added that one when we were talking about pray too, and I'm like, oh, that'd be awesome. Um, I like that. But the point is you have – oh, and then I forgot to – because I skipped it. I wanted to mention the Predator first. On the flip side of that one, you have a human who ha- who has scavenged Predator armor and weapons you know, to wear them himself. But you have, it's a big dude, like a fucking Jesse Ventura Schwarzenegger dude wearing Predator armor because um, he's big enough for it. So what you have is this ragtag group of like human, synthetic, Predator, alien, but all kind of mixed up and matched up. You know, so you ha- every character has this really interesting, you know, look about them, mm-hmm. um, and and they all have their own, you know, weapons and strengths. And so, yeah, this is sort of Newt's Newt's little crew that over the first couple episodes, as they're fighting with aliens and uh, you know, and xenomorphs and predators, you know, they kind of group together the survivors, this ragtag group of like, you know, uh, Mad Max style survivors in space. Their mission is to rescue the rest of the humans and get them off of here. So they become like the fucking A-team, you know, trying to get people off the ship. Um, 
and I have one more twist, but I want to save it in case you, you have any thoughts to add to what I've said so far. Well, it's funny because you and I are so close to uh, being on the exact same page with our follow up to Resurrection. Because nice. I have so I just I just put Alien 5 that the film would center around an adult newt having grown up in an orphanage, learning to take care of herself. So she's a scrappy little so and so. Um, you know, she works for the company as an adult, as most people do, uh, because they're like, they're the corporation that takes care of everybody. So it's like, well, I guess I got to work for them. They're, they're kind of space Amazon at this point. Um, (laughs) you know, so everyone's got to work for them, but she ends up, she finds herself on a new colony helping to set up an atmosphere generator. So it's basically like, you know, that, that initial, like, we got to go to an, uh, inhospitable planet and put up this, you know, like create these giant generators that are eventually going to terraform the planet. Um, so she's off on this little backward planet. Uh, what, of course, her and the other workers don't know is that the Weyland Yutani Corps, along with the uh, the United Systems military, are going to use some of these backwater planets as testing grounds for their new creations. Um, so the xenomorphs would be released, but it's all different types of xenomorphs. We find there's, you know, there's the warrior ones, you know, like in, we saw in Aliens. Um, runners, like we saw in Alien 3, so like the weird, creepy, like quadrupedal creatures. And a new type that I put called chameleons that look like people, almost like how Mimic, in the movie Mimic, like you had the yeah. rope stand up and they'd look like people. So from a, from far away, like the chameleons would look human, but then they would kind of like, you know, morph into what they actually are and attack. Um but then the the regular looking Xenos would all be fitted with like a control chip, making them take orders from the Hive Leader, which is a computer designed to deploy and control Xenomorph platoons for pinpoint military strikes. Um, so, of course, Newton, and the others would fight back using the advantage or using uh, their knowledge and the layout of the colony to their advantage. And the film would culminate with with Newt killing the Xenos, escaping the planet and going on the run as the company wouldn't want her to stay alive to reveal to mankind what they're up to. Now, I feel like this can be merged very successfully with your idea. So we kind of take the same concept, like having, you know, young Newt working for the company do the whole same thing where the, where the fucking corporation unleashes the xenomorphs as a testing ground, but they're like these hybridized and weaponized xenomorphs, which of course the Yaucha are going to be like, all right, look, we had a tenuous agreement as it was, and now you mm-hmm. motherfuckers are out here making these damn things into weapons? Nah, 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 we're going to go on the hunt. So they come down in mass, nice. like you said, and they're fucking, they're hunting the xenomorphs, not because they care about the humans, but because yep. they're like, fuck these bugs, and they're out yes, there exactly. killing them, you know. Fuck but, these bugs. <laughs> but they reluctantly team up with the humans and the synths, you know, mm-hmm. to like, for, so we get we can do this whole television show where it's like the ragtag group of colonists and androids uh, with like the the Yaucha who are like helping them. And it's like, yeah, maybe they don't always see eye to eye. Maybe we can even have a couple of things where like a Yaucha and a human like try to kill each other. And like yeah. we could see like there it's it's a tenuous relationship at best. But you had yes. mentioned the human who is obsessed with androids. Um and like gave himself an arm, which immediately made me think of fucking the Alien versus Predator video game by Capcom, 
where they took Dutch and gave him a giant robotic arm. So it nice. obviously wouldn't be Dutch, but maybe it's even like a descendant of Dutch. Like maybe like his great, great, great grandson. <laughs> He's got like a fucking robo arm, like in that damn video game. <laughs> that, that'd be a really cool Easter egg. And we could throw something in there like the the Native American character who mentions, you know, something like, you know, Naru, give me strength or whatever. But like, you know, she kind of mentions that like, oh, my ancestor was this legendary warrior, you know, who who fought you know, these creatures, and she had this cannon, and it looked just like that cannon right there, you know, on one of the right. Yaucha. Then, you know, yeah, the robo-arm guy could be like, wow, that's so funny. People used to tell me that my great-great-grandpa Dutch had a run-in with these guys, but I never believed him, you know? And would be like, <laughs> what? <laughs> that would be awesome. But yeah, like, I feel like this would be a successful... I like the idea of bringing AVP back for a, a like, a, a new installment of Aliens, like, to to transition once again from film to television. Um, so we continue, we pick up from Alien 4. Like, we're like, all right, we saw the ending of Resurrection, well, now called Ripley. We saw the ending of Ripley. And now this is the next chapter of the Alien universe that mixes seamlessly with the next chapter of the Predator universe. And we do it in fucking long form. And I mean, yeah. you could obviously have multiple seasons because... You know, if we end the the show with uh, Newt and a couple of ragtag, you know, survivors escaping and then going on the run from the Whalen yutani Corps, um, mm-hmm. you know, we could have like various adventures, you know, after that where it's like the Yaucha are fighting with with Whalen yutani and the United Systems military, and you got uh, Newt and her ragtag bag of uh, of anarchist survivors who are like <laughs> fuck the corporation and are trying to like bring it down. Nice. I, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of legs on that. There is. There's so much. And we could spend the time to get really episodic with it. But yeah, I, exactly. I had the same idea. You mentioned a few times how, you know, maybe there'd be some conflict with the Yaucha one episode. It's a very tenuous, you know, uh, agreement. And a lot of it is held together by the, the one predator who was bested. And now he's kind of on the human side, you know, and he's he becomes this mediator who's like, you know, stand down or whatever. And and, uh, you know, maybe he can even teach him some stuff. He, you know, we'll learn we're going to learn so much more about the Yaucha, um, especially like the viewers, because now we have one of them who's going to be communicating, you know, just casually like with you right. know, with the humans and like, oh, you got, you know, telling them about his his people. And, oh, yeah, we, you know, we have these different clans and, you know, we come this is the planet we come from. But, you know, whatever. And it's gonna that's, it'll be a wealth of information for those like talking moments between the action, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Considering what we just tackled, <laughs> like this is pretty damn cool. I think so too. And I think I have two more things I want to mention about this before we kind of go back and do a little bit of a recap. Is back to the title uh, convention. You know, obviously I'm big on like the names. So we the original Alien was obviously Alien and Aliens, and then they did Predator. They eventually did Predators. I think it'd be funny if the TV show was, we pluralize them both, and it's called Aliens versus Predators. Yeah. You know, yeah, and, that and which, works. It's, and it's so perfect, because there's going to be a fuckload of them uh, on both sides. A bunch of Aliens. Again, we're finally going to get to see the swarm of Xenomorphs. We're going to see a whole army of Predators. It's going to be, like, really intimidating. It's going to be scary to these humans, and it's going to be, you know, pretty awesome to see them survive. You know, they're going to definitely, like, live up to the legacy of, like, you know, Dutch's, you know, hardcore crew, you know, because they're going to they're gonna make it through. But, you know, we'll lose some people here and there, obviously. But, yeah, I just, I think this could be a lot of fun. Um, I had one more thing I wrote down as, like, a twist. It doesn't work as well incorporating 
everything that you just said, but I definitely really like to do that. And I like the idea of Newt, who really wanted to kind of get to the fringe of the galaxy and get away from everything, get away from the fucking corporation who, like, bugged her her whole life. And we end the series with her finally getting a chance to, like, take off of the stars, you know, with mm-hmm. her, her new crew. And so I'll, um, I'll tell you the new idea, and then I'll tell you what, what the original version was. But I think it would be... It has to be the last scene. It has to be the end. Like this is where we wrap it up. And you tell me if you don't like it, if it's if it's too much, if it's too, you know, twee or cringe, but it would be really funny if as they're like leaving on their like their ship at the very end and they get like a like a mysterious, you know, transmission. Because and that there's a whole history of that in all in the whole franchise, you know, mysterious mm-hmm. transmissions. They get a mysterious transmission and like, you know, Newt whatever tunes it in and they tune it in on the little video screen and it's fucking Ripley who's like, you know, she said something along the lines of like, you know, I heard what happened. You know, I could use a crew of, of folks like you who know how to kill these motherfuckers and boom, oh. go, go to black. You know what yes. I mean? <laughs> yes. Yes. That would be like the season two stinger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So in my original version, I was like, I wrote down in a Mandalorian style twist, we have Ripley show up in the last episode or the first season or second season. But like, you know, she, you see this like fighter ship come out of nowhere and just like start mowing down a bunch of aliens, Deus Ex Machina style, smashes through the wall of whatever facility they're in, you know, big explosion, comes in, guns blazing, a predator jumps out and she like, you know, stares him down and he backs off and fucking Ripley comes in, like throws her hood or her mask off or whatever. It was like, you guys need some help? I know how to kill these bastards now, you know, <laughs> and just oh, like, whoa, out of, just out of nowhere. Like, and I don't know which one I like better, but like, I like the idea of Newt taking off to the stars. I could even see like we can have Ripley come, maybe come in and be like a guest star in the last uh, season. And maybe she dies in this episode. Maybe this is where, you know, she goes down in a blaze of glory, taking down a swarm of locusts and Newt carries the fight on to the stars. I don't mm-hmm. know. I kind of I honestly kind of like the transmission one better only because it's like we we focused the whole season, the whole the whole season on Newt and her her uh, team and like the Yaucha and all that. And we have this big fucking battle with the, the different types of aliens and like they destroy, you know, this this platoon of aliens that was sent after them by the fucking uh, the, the corporation. And they like, like they get off world. They're escaping. You know, the Yaucha go their own way newton her her cohorts go the other way and like maybe they're setting up for cryostasis like you know she's she like some of the crew is in cryostasis you know she's doing like her last like mission log or something like you know i hope you know i hope i hope we were found by you know by a friendly or something like that yeah um like we're on the run you know we don't know how how long you know the life support systems will hold you know and then like incoming transmission and she's like what the hell like who the hell knows we're out here and like you know, checks it, and we see like, and maybe it's like real distorted, almost like the transmission in Covenant uh, mm-hmm. from the Prometheus ship. And it's very distorted, and then like it kind of like it clears a little bit, and we see, you know, we see Ripley, and she's like, you know, Newt, I've been looking for you, and it just fucking fade to black. Oh and yeah, it, I like, I like it even better. And it's like, oh shit, you know, so like when that when that season ends, like people mm-hmm. are gonna be going 
batshit like holy crap ripley's back you know exactly well it would be a great way to actually just you know cap off the whole series of the, that's the season finale of the, the end the whole series like it's over yeah but of course if they went if they wanted to bring it back you could do more you could do the adventures of like you know newt now newt is out there trying to find ripley like you know trying to track down you know optimus prime in space you know right like, exactly <laughs> and that would be a great follow-up but like if the show gets canceled boom you let you end it with like the greatest cliffhanger in sci-fi movie history yeah. Oh, so good. Whew, we got we got to the end of the timeline. I think that's, it's an awesome way to leave things on that. Yeah. Cool, you know, Newt, I've been looking for you. That was perfect. Perfect way to end it. Um, <laughs> so there was one more thing I wanted to talk about. And then we'll, let's kind of jump back and just do a quick little recap. OK, yeah. so um, speaking of title, I don't know about you, but I'm not a fan of Prometheus as a title either. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you were talking about that earlier, I forgot to mention, but I had it in my notes that so. Alien Covenant is the sequel to Prometheus, but Prometheus doesn't have the word alien in the title. <laughs> we even mentioned right. that in the last episode, how that's kind of dumb. So, you know, in keeping with the terrible cliche titles, <laughs> well, <laughs> I say we don't call it Prometheus at all. I say the trilogy that uh, the prequel trilogy that you uh, mastermind, this is your thing. So, you know, uh, you can, you know, kibosh this, but I think we call it Alien Genesis then Alien Covenant, and then Alien Awakening. And it's kind of got like that biblical pattern going on. Yeah, no, I dig that. I think that that works better than Prometheus anyway. Yeah, Prometheus doesn't, <laughs> they don't make any sense. None of them make any sense. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it would have made sense if he had have gone in the direction that he claimed he was going in, where he was just, you know, we're not we're not doing a prequel to Aliens. We're doing a story about the, you know, the engineers. And then because Neil Blumkamp was like, Hey, I got a story for alien five and Sigourney Weaver and freaking, um, I always forget his name, but the guy who played Hicks, they were all on board. And then suddenly Ridley Scott was like, no, I'm taking my alien ball and I'm going home. You can't use it. Cause I'm going to make alien covenant. Meh. And yeah. it's like, you fucking whiny little bitch. <laughs> what a bitch. I oh man. <laughs> I knew it. See, we tried to be like, you know, the director who will not be named, but no, we named him. <laughs> yeah, fuck that guy. Oh. Like, Voldemort, like Voldemort, like fuck that guy. <laughs> um, okay, so quick recap, man. We we definitely expanded the, the whole franchise. So, um, I, again, in real life, like real world order, I don't think the releases would be that far off. Um, we definitely would get the AVP TV series at the end, and we'd get our new movies kind of stuck in the middle. But basically the timeline now would go Prey. Prey 2, Predator, Predator 2, followed by Predator 3, although Predator 3 actually takes place before Predator 2 in the uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom style. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, we we kept our AVP and AVP Requiem in place, but obviously we fixed those bitches. Um, right. And then Predators and The Predator, followed by, correct me if I'm wrong here, Predator Invasion, which is the Predator 6, right? Mm-hmm. And then that would jump us forward in time to what is now Alien Genesis instead of Prometheus, mm-hmm. Alien Covenant, the Alien Awakening TV miniseries. And then uh, that would lead us directly into the original Alien, Aliens, Alien 3 with our tweaks. And then we follow that up with instead of Alien Resurrection, we have Ripley and then Aliens versus Predators are hopefully multi-season action sci-fi tv show yeah <laughs> that's a hell of a fucking franchise i know right <laughs> and like uh 
man, I really wanted to work like the Contra video game in there somewhere. But you know, <laughs> we talked about not not trying to worry about the video games and comic books too much. So I'm like, come on, man, it's got to fit in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I almost feel like that could be like, you know, if if the the television show got to be like really you know, really long in the tooth, we could be like, and now we're going to do a prequel season where we talk about, you know, early, uh, you know, early alien and predator uh, lore on, on earth. (laughs) Have it be like, you know, do do the Contra story. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, if we wanted to do an adaptation of the video games, I would only do like the ones that are not obvious, you know, the kind of like weird ones, like, you know, Contra, that's not really an alien game. Or right. Remember that, remember that arcade game Xenophobe? Oh my God. I, <laughs> dude, I have one of those like knockoff Chinese emulator systems that has like 3000 video games on it. And it has the arcade uh, uh, port of that. And nice. I, I played that literally for hours the one day. And Caleb was just like, what is the point of this? And I'm like, you know, what? truthfully, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I really don't know what the point of this game is other than like you go around the ships you kind of set the self-destruct and then you try to escape that's basically all there is to it that's it man they used to they used to have one of those arcade cabinets at the hills department store in niagara falls yep when i was like in like maybe whatever whatever year it was that those things were in oh, the stores early or like late 80s yeah i remember playing that there I put so many quarters in that stupid game and I'm like, what do you do? I just keep killing these things and like, you never go anywhere. (laughs) You just, you kind of make your way through the ship. You find little key card and then you find the, the self-destruct thing. Cause they literally just ripped off alien where they're like, oh yeah, they're going to blow up the Nostromo. So you you go, (laughs) you, you blow it up and, or you set it to self-destruct and then you have so many minutes to get back to your teleporter to teleport off onto your own ship. Um, And if you don't make it, you lose. (laughs) It's super simple, but <laughs> it was a fun game though. But oh man, thanks everyone for sticking around through this long episode. Another long one, not the longest one, but definitely uh, one of our longer. If we had done this in two sittings, we we definitely could have made it longer. But uh, <laughs> unfortunately, my work schedule is limiting us. <laughs> no, I'm I'm pretty happy with it. We definitely could have gotten into more detail, but I'm happy with what we did, uh, and hopefully, we didn't bore our audience over two episodes dedicated to the Alien Predator <laughs> franchise series. I promise the next episode will be something lighter. I don't know what it is yet. We'll have to talk about it, but let's try to find something that's more fun. Uh, <laughs> right. Less sci-fi heavy. Yeah, less uh, like uh, continuity heavy and just something kind of breezy like uh, like our Cobra episode we did recently. <laughs> Cobra 2 with Simon <laughs> Miami Beach. That was a lot of fun. Uh, that was really fun. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, check us out, please, at RaisedByRentals.com or at RaisedByRentals on all the socials. We, of course, belong to the Rad Pantheon, a super team up of podcasters, artists, musicians, etc., an art collective of creative friends supporting each other and helping to spread the gospel about rad stuff. If you like this show, there's a good chance you'll dig one or more of our Rad Pantheon teammates. And I won't even mention some of the other projects because we're running short on time, but you've heard us mention it before. Comics Booze. Boogeyman's Closet, Count Creepy Head, Saturday Morning Monster Mash, and a bunch of other stuff. Anything else, Mike? No, I think that's about it. Just uh, by the time you listen to this, uh, Boogeyman's Closet will be coming back shortly after that uh, with our month of Nightmare on Elm Street movies. So definitely check that out. It'll be early May. Nice. Yeah, I'm super excited about that one. Awesome. That should be definitely be a good time. I know you got some other cool stuff coming up in the future. So, yeah, let's talk after this when we get a chance and figure out what's coming up in 
the future of a raise by rentals. Right, <laughs> right now we're kind of wide open until summertime, but we got some cool stuff planned for the summer, man. It's going to be good. Oh, <laughs> hell yeah, we do. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be we, so fun. We don't, we don't talk too far in the future about our plans, but, uh, we, we do pencil in certain, uh, certain projects that we know we want to tackle. So we, we have, there's, there's at least two episodes that are coming up that I am really fucking excited about. So hopefully the listeners will be just as excited when they hear what they are. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And I, I think it'll probably coincide with our 50th episode too. I got to look at the calendar, but I'm pretty sure one of those will probably be our 50th episode special. So that should be a ton of fun. Nice. Um, well, again, thanks everyone for tuning in to the Raised by Rentals program. If you had fun with us, visit us on the socials, drop us a line, leave a comment, let us know what you thought and what you think we should improv improve next time. And with that, I'm Josh. I'm Mike. And we have to return some videotapes. <laughs> Raised by Rentals is a member of the Rad Pantheon Network. Visit radpantheon.com to support rad stuff. The theme music is Forbidden Fruit by Velvet Bethany. You can purchase music and learn more at velvetbethany.com. Get away from her, you bitch! <laughs>